0: Yes, time for our warm-up.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live, direct from the internet, as we always do now, week after week. Very exciting. Uh, Pete. Before we get into it, before we introduce our amazing guests on this week's show, uh, you went outside and that went horribly for you, right? Oh my god! I'm not going to
2: talk to you before <laughs> we start because you just use it against me. What yeah, did you do, I, Pete? I missed this. I, I went still outside. It you. I went outside one time and now I'm covered in poison ivy. Yeah, highly allergic oh, to poison ivy. Did you roll around in the woods? Y- yeah. No, I didn't. I just. Liwana was like, "Hey, let's go check out. There's this really cool cemetery. You can walk around. It's like part cemetery, part park." And Mm -hmm. uh, so we went, and it's unbelievable. If I'm anywhere
1: close to it, I immediately get it.
0: Yeah, nice. Now
1: the the other thing is, you got chickenpox as well, right, Pete? Because you're five years old.
0: Wait, you have chickenpox? No. No. It sounded believable.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, guys, um, I'm sorry to hear it. I hope you get better soon, Pete. I've had Poison Ivy back when I was five, and that was very rough for me, too. I uh, hate <laughs> we do have two amazing guests uh, for you folks on the show uh, later on in the show. We're gonna have Scott Snyder going to be here. Uh, yep. His co-creator on Doctera Tony Estrella, unfortunately had some Wi-Fi issues. He has the Cable Guy coming, which is very exciting for him because he gets to meet Jim Carrey, which is super cool. Oh, right. oh, the man. Cable Guy. The cave guy. Uh, cable but we guy. will still have Scott later in the show. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to bring in our first guest here. Yeah. I'm going to go find him on the invite thing. Uh, now, he is the writer of one of our favorite current books from Oni Press. We've talked about it a lot on the stack, which I will reiterate for him as soon as he is in the stream. Uh, it's a book called Backtrack. And ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Brian
3: joins. Hi, everyone. What's <laughs> up? Hey, guys.
1: Uh, Uh, Last name, Brian Joins. Is that how you pronounce it?
3: It, It's a verb. Congratulations. I just wanted to make sure because
1: I wanted to make a joke about uh, Joinsing the show. And and I didn't want to screw it up.
3: That's kindergarten level humor right there. (laughs) (laughs) And you always Uh, make sure...
1: Never oh, go on, Justin. No, no, no. I, just... I want to hear your razz.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where you can see a razz going? I realize I look like I work at a zoo, uh, <laughs> the way I'm dressed. <laughs> um, but uh, a good comedian always asks permission to say a joke after they've already said it. And I think you did that just spot on, Alex.
1: Thanks, man. Uh, And thanks for the lessons, by the way. They've really been worth it so far. Uh, It's great. (laughs) Brian, uh, as we said in the intro, uh, we have been loving Backtrack from Oni Press. It's so much fun. It's so good. And one of the things that I really like about it that I think we mentioned every time we review the book is it's (laughs) such a nice clean simple concept um for those i mean it obviously gets more complicated there's a lot of other stuff going on there but it's such a simple pitch line so i'm curious to hear from you what was the pitch line how did you sell oni on it
3: oh sure um i mean the ba- the basic elevator pitch was it is a um it's a cross-country rally car race where every leg of the race is in a different period of time and whoever wins gets to change one mistake they made. So you just have a bunch of broken damaged people getting eaten by dinosaurs and killed by vikings and everything <laughs> just trying to make up for one mistake they made. So
1: come on. uh it uh, go ahead Justin
0: I was going to say, it's just like, uh, it's, a, it's one of those books where the premise is just nonstop fun. It's like, these people got to fix oh. their mistakes. They have to go through time. They're driving really fast cars. <laughs> They're going to get in car accidents with dinosaurs. Like all, it's just like, feels like it's primed for maximum fun all the time. I think oh, that's nice. what we've loved about it.
3: Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's been. Nice. I mean, I I see you guys. You tag me in every uh, you know um, podcast you do. Talk. So about sorry. It so no sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about oh, that. No, Even no, the no, ones no. where we don't
1: talk about you, we tag you in it, which is the, the, rude. The
3: timing of the book was. You know, the first issue came out. We got really really good reviews. You know, Patton Oswalt tweeted about it and everything, which is my big humble brag for the show. You know, yeah. so I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. But uh, um, but then. Issue two comes out and then COVID hits and everything shuts mm-hmm. down. So <laughs> it's like, well, well, there goes our, there goes building momentum, but yeah, but no, yeah. I appreciate you guys keeping it alive and keeping it in the, uh, in the public discourse.
1: No, we're trying. Uh, I'm, Curious to hear about your inspiration behind the book. Certainly there's things that I've pulled out. Like there's, there's definitely a little bit of lost in there, particularly when it comes to flashbacks and going to the backstory of the characters. It also seems mildly inspired by the show called Drive that Nathan Fillion was on, uh, though this goes obviously in different directions. What were you pulling on when you created the book?
3: Well, the start of it really was, um, I have a good friend named Allison, and she and I have a standing date to go see every Fast and Furious movie that comes out. (laughs) (laughs) So, So we went and saw the, I believe this was probably the sixth one, seventh one, and probably the sixth one, and, you know, the first movie... They're they're selling hot Blu-ray players out of trunks of cars. <laughs> <laughs> the most recent one, they're out running a sa- uh, Russian submarine on ice, you know? So it's like, so, you know, we started making jokes about, well, where can they go next? And I'm like, well, they're, heighten- you know, they're being chased by dinosaurs next and like that. And then, you know, it's like, ha, 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 whatever. And then you you kind of like, <laughs> it starts to kind of permeate a little bit, you know? And, uh, <laughs> And I had completely forgotten about um, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, which was probably yes. a good, which is probably a good thing because if I remember that, I'd be like, oh, someone already did that. But then the time travel angle started to hit, and then I think what really sold um, my editor, Jasmine Amiri, on it was the idea of everyone having, you know, the, the prize being that you know, you get to correct a mistake. Because I think that's something yeah. that everyone can get behind. It's like everyone's done something in their lives, you know, probably not as extreme as what's in the book, but has done something where, oh, I wish I could go back and change that. So once I kind of figured that out, that was kind of the hook that I think sold it ultimately. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Drive, and yeah, I I remember that show. I actually really dug that show back in the day. And uh, I'm sad we only got, I think it was like, what, six of the nine episodes they made? And yeah, something like that. Ones, but
0: yeah,
1: well,
3: we are
0: above about that. Yeah, wow, Nathan Fillion stands. Uh, when, when you're writing a book that is, like, car-based, are you like, uh, oh, how do I get these people out of the car over and over again?
3: <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's not a matter of getting them out of the car so much as how do you, you know, you don't want to, I don't want to do just a bunch of pages of people driving, not talking themselves, you know, so yeah. I have a little bit of them talking, you know, um, kind of, Talking to their cars like "come on, girl, you can do it" kind of thing. Um, you had you had Kashini and her driver, and they had the back and forth. But then by the fourth issue when we or the third issue when we introduced the, the walkie-talkie angle, that made a lot easier, you know, because now yeah. there's communication between the two. But as far I mean, you know, it's a it's a car it's a car comic, so I don't want to spend too much time getting them out of cars, but when I do, I want it to count. So right. right. Yeah. Well, how much
1: then, again, a car thing for a second. I mean, you're dealing with a static medium, right? But you're doing most of it about car races. Obviously, comics are no stranger to action or anything like that. But I do feel the propulsion of a car is certainly something different. Is that something that uh, you're trusting your artist on a little more? Is it something that plays into the script stage combination of both? How do you handle that?
3: Um, you know, it's kind—it's of, combination of both. I, I definitely trust Jake uh, Elfenik, my artist, just to give him a shout out. Hi, Jake. Yeah, he's—he's um, he's so so damn good on this thing. Um, so good. Uh, oh yeah. But he—I he, uh, mean—he's so good at delivering that kind of kinetic energy. So if if there's something very specific I have in mind, like I really want her to peel out in this page, I'll like write that down. But a lot of times, it's just like I need you to convey, you know. This happening to this happening, I'm giving you kind of here's a here's a page just like go crazy, do what you got to do. And there have been some pages where, you know, I I'm I'm I think every writer is kind of a frustrated artist at first because like, (laughs) let me see it this way. And then you did it wrong. But then you send you send it off and it comes back with something so much better than I could come up with. You know, so it's just it's just a treat.
1: Are there, uh, and I imagine kind of not, given the fact that you're in Berlin, Germany at this point in the 1970s, or at least I guess they just left it at the end of the last issue. Are there any time periods that are off limits to you that you feel like the race could not go?
3: Well, I'll tell you what, this is um, a little behind the scenes thing. Um, so the third issue, they're in that, um, they're in the earthquake in China. Like, you know, I want to say, like, 1200 1300 China something like that. Um, originally I had pitched that as being a countdown to the atomic bomb dropping on Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. But my editor brought up a good point that there are probably still people, you know, from that time alive who, you know, or if not or their direct descendants definitely are alive and that might be a very sensitive subject for them. So, you know, something something like that I don't want to really Really touch on too much, you know. And but most of, I mean, the stuff that happens in Berlin. I mean, we're this is during, you know, East Germany's been set up. So really, this is a German government with communist backing. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the, the. Uh, let's say that it's not the, the German bad guys people automatically think of, you know, which are getting a little, yeah. yeah. A right. you, airplane can, you can call East them Asian Nazis. Varieties. That's yeah. fine.
1: <laughs> We're allowed to call out Nazis on the show. As well, being I know, bad. I know, but I
3: just, <laughs> I just you know, I just wanted to, uh, but yeah, so, so, and plus I just love the seventies too. So I wanted to play with that a little bit too. Yeah.
1: And, uh, I think that's do you, do you look at this book uh, more as fantasy, science fiction, a combination of both? Where does it fall on that line for you?
3: Um. I, Definitely. I would say definitely more science fiction. I mean, there are some definitely fantastical elements to it, but you know, it's all, it's all faux science in my mind. It's not, yeah. a, it's not like magic, you know, or anything like that. So.
0: Um, well, yeah. and that's, that's what I think uh, it r- reminds me of like, you mentioned Cadillacs and dinosaurs, but it, uh, I hadn't even thought of that, but it reminds me of Saturday morning cartoons, like sure high concept. something like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is something that feels like it is so random it wouldn't happen now because it's too weird and this mm-hmm. feels like it has that same sort of magic uh, composition of all these things and it's just happening. Uh, oh yeah, and
3: well I mean I'm I'm old enough to have, I, didn't, I don't think I watched the originals but I caught the early reruns of like the Wacky Races back in the day which yeah, yeah. Is, I mean, <laughs> definitely was another thing that had kind of an inspiration <laughs> towards all this, so yeah. yeah. I mean. And
1: I'll just mention, though, for anybody who hasn't read the book yet, uh, we're talking about Saturday morning cartoons, wacky races, all of this fun stuff. Uh, this book gets real dark. Like yes. particularly <laughs> the last couple of yeah, issues. Yeah. There's a lot yeah, of people uh, dying, and. You know, overstate that 7:00 a.m. student. Yeah, it's like so that uh, episode of TH Ninja Turtles where right. Raphael got chopped in half, right? Yeah, like that. Yeah. So that.
0: gritty. It's the, the cartoons that air at like 11 a.m. You know, when <laughs> yeah. all <of> the adults are <laughs>
3: starting to tune in. Yeah. This is a little more on the thunder of the barbarian side <laughs> than mm-hmm. the monkey. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Is there. Is there an end point for this book? Do you see it uh, continuing to go past the end of the race or there multiple races you have in mind? Where are you with that at this point?
3: Well, I mean, right now, um, this book will run through issue 10 and I've actually just started writing the script for issue 10 uh, this week. Um, I, you know, and. In the comics game, you don't want to buy that more than you can chew. So, you know, when, you know it's a 60-issue epic. Oh, you're canceled at issue four. Cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I have I have a trilogy in mind, certainly. And um, depending on how things go, I, I think it's doing pretty well in sales. Um, and I, the, I just, oh, the trade. I feel like the trade is going to really, uh, I think they're really pushing the, uh, Pushing the trade on the publisher side, so hopefully that'll blow up and uh, it'll warrant me getting to do more because I definitely, yeah, I definitely have more stories to tell, um, not only with different races, but um, Allison's ongoing story, um, which I guess is a spoiler alert. She doesn't die, but uh, no need to read the book now, everybody. She's okay. uh, All right, that's good.
1: Thanks for coming to the show. Then Uh, no, I'm kidding. So the, at this point, uh, just to give folks the lowdown, uh, five issues I believe are out. Is the trade going to be six issues, or uh, what are you picturing it as? Uh,
3: the trade will be the first five. In fact, I actually just. Okay. In fact, I will. I just got the, uh, there you uh, uh, yeah, got the trade yesterday. It doesn't come out until <laughs> November, but I got the. Uh, I got the copy in the mail just yesterday. To like, uh, look at what we've made, and it's like, oh my god, it's so cool! It's, so it's, cool. it's, it's really cool seeing them all together because I know that. This is this is I I'll be the first to admit this is not a book that you can just like pick up issue three and like okay I, I fully understand what's going on you need to kind of like parse you know there's there's not a lot of like recap page or anything like that so but uh, yeah I think I think uh, I think it, I have high hopes for it we'll say that
1: well it's a great book uh, Brian congratulations on it we've been loving it uh, yeah. everybody go buy the trade-in of suit three volumes at least of backtrack uh, yes. Brian thanks for coming on the show. Thank yeah, you so thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thank thanks, you. thanks for joining right. us. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, See, Alex, you going to really good. enjoy it. You yeah. <laughs> you you really lead oh, into thank you. It. Again, I appreciate finger these guns. lessons. I, I, finger finger guns. guns, that's what seals it. All right, good to know. <laughs> I think Very I know exciting. what you am talking about.
0: I think I understand comedy. Remember last time I entered like this? Ah, <laughs> oh, come on! Does <laughs>
2: that mean <what> you cut <laughs> your hair with?
0: Yep. Nice. Uh, my, well, I will say uh, I got a haircut. My wife did it, and she uh, – there there's some, some gaps in there. <laughs> I got one laser line right on my, my left side. Uh,
1: again, uh, that is Backtrack from Oni Press by Brian Joins. Great book. You can jump right in now because – well, don't jump in with issue five. Uh, but we're going to bring our next guest into the stream. He is one of our favorite writers. Uh, we, I think, last time chatted with him on a boat – and now yeah. he's doing a Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, that's the, that's the continuity of what happened there. I yeah. think. Sure. Uh, but he has a new Kickstarter uh, that is now called Noctera. Uh, Scott Snyder will be in here in a minute, and there he is, Woo-hoo-hoo!
4: Scott Snyder. Yeah. Hey, good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you, man. How are you doing? I'm good. My kids just cut my hair too, so. All right. I'm sure, <laughs> I think right. Right. You can see the. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> your kids There's did like, a better uh, job than my wife, I think. Right in the back is like you can see the like this and then like there's like a ducktail kind of thing in the middle so it's, it's definitely uh it's definitely original and that's, hey, that's the world
1: we're living in now it's all good uh scott thank you so much for coming on the show so excited to chat about this uh yes. so this is a project it was originally called nocturnal now it's called yeah. noctera uh you are coming on our show believe because you're having a little trouble with the kickstarter i looked this up you have 16 days to go and you've only made uh, 159,430 dollars <laughs> which yeah. is a real bummer so hopefully you'll get that comic book club bump your yeah,
4: hat in hand. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, I, I really. I mean, we are really blown away by it, you know. And I know um, it's a lot of it's it's a new thing for us, and it's a we're trying a different business model with it. So we're just really excited that that people are showing up for it, and you know, we we hope to give them something really special. I mean, we had like two goals with it, you know. I mean, the first goal was uh, the emotional goal, which is we wanted to find a way of offering something personal and collectible at a time when we all, we miss conventions. I miss seeing you guys. I saw you on the comic cruise. That was a blast <laughs> karaoke and the whole thing, that melting ice sculpture. If you remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah. every day, like melted further.
0: Really? Yeah. I mean, this so Mentally, I never left there. I think I'm still there <laughs> in a the tiny little cabin with Pete, with a little portable.
4: No, like so we went. We were on this. This is such a sidebar, but we were on this. We have time, right? This is we not have sure. all of the time. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, we were, we were all on this comic cruise. Everybody watching, and it was kind of like a convention where we had creators, and then they had fans that were on the boat. But you realize very quickly that like a convention needs that whole middle middle ground of like you know, Renaissance stuff and man- manga stuff and anime and like, and none of that was there. So it was like, they could meet you only so many times, like the fans before they were just sick of you. And then you saw them at the buffet. It was like a really weird dynamic. And then the weirdest part was like, you realized quickly that um, they had filled the, the places on the boat. They couldn't, they couldn't get fans for with people that just were like cruisers in general that like live on these cruises. So they were like, random like remember there was like a cosplay thing and there were all these old people there and like they'd be like that's like a ghost or like a cat you know what yeah. i mean and you're yeah. like that's really cosplay and then you realize quickly they were like oh no we we go on all of them the last one was heavy metal themes and then we went on this one and it's comic book and the next one's country music and it was awesome and they were like it was just like this whole culture that was opened my eyes to cruising where they have like these people that have like an apart small apartment in Tampa or somewhere. But live on cruise ships for like 200 bucks a week and get fed and all of this. And so it was fascinating. And so we were in the mix of it. The last time I saw you guys, we were there in that crazy ecosystem of, of like geek wonder and terror. And, and that, that it was like one of those things that had not been the best planned out. And this funniest sign was like this big ice sculpture. I remember there was in the buffet. It was like a superhero kind of geek thing. And it just kept melting. Like every you see it and it's like worse when you're like, Oh no,
1: this isn't going. This isn't yeah. going. No, is it? I, I, think I think it's still there. Honestly, <laughs> like it, it's down to just a little nub, but it, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, t- talking about Nectarna though, just to get yeah, back. <laughs> I, was saying, no, I love okay. talking about the cruise. I love it. Uh, we talk but, about
4: it a lot. Let me be honest. <laughs> yeah. we up Now I miss it tremendously, but the, uh, yeah the uh uh the really so twofold so one yeah like we we do genuinely miss the kind of connection that we get with fans at conventions and with creator owned especially i've always tried to make a big convention push around the time i do a new one like undiscovered country when we did witches we were all over the place yeah because creator owned is asking a lot of fans right it's asking fans to to come in and and buy into a world that's brand new you know like batman You know what it is. You're hoping I don't fuck it up when you go on there or whatever it is. But, like, you genuinely, like, you love the mythology already. This is like we're building it together from scratch. So without being able to do that, Tony and I are like, well, what if we offer something that lets people into the process that's um, collaborative, um, opens up sort of the, the, the curtain and shows them how we make the book? I don't really give away scripts for a lot of different reasons, but mainly because... I never really wanted people to get the wrong idea that I had a template that I wrote by where I really pride myself on a lesson that Capullo taught me when we started Court of Owls, which was that, you know, to adapt to every artist differently as a writer and and see what they like to do. And sometimes that means full script and sometimes that means Marvel style. So, you know, it it was always awkward because the scripts are so personalized for that artist. But with this, we felt like, who cares? Let's let them in, see how we work. You'll see how the finished product is different than, than the script. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be, we'll be able to annotate it. We'll give designs, we'll do all this. And if people don't want it, they don't have to buy it. But, uh, the fun was to be able to make something intimate and connective. And then the second reason, which is just, you know, honesty, uh, is, uh, we were worried about, um, being able to make the book without looking for help or resources from, uh, the publisher, from, from any indie publisher we went with, we went with image, for it. Uh, and we we love them. Um, we're excited about it, but I don't want to have to lean on image and say, if COVID happens again, is there any way you can help us keep going so we don't have to go back to Marvel and DC or, you know, whatever, or, or is there, can you, can you, can you, can you, is there, we just didn't want to be a drain on any resources when resources could be a lot better spent on other things. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's just a lot to ask of, of Tony and the art team to commit to six, seven issues Without, um, you know, without anything coming in, uh, given he has a family and all that stuff. So usually we all do that <clears throat> and he's willing to do it, too. The worry is just if COVID shuts things down again, you put in three, four five months on a book that might never come out or might might have to leave right. or other things. So we thought maybe it would solve all things, you know, it would offer people something cool and fun. Uh, it wouldn't step on the retailer aspect of it because. A retailers can buy a different version, but more importantly, it's a promotional tool, and and the series is already committed to image and the direct market. So, and it's so different. It's not lettered. It's no balloons. It's like script and art. So it wouldn't. We didn't think it would compete with the with the series. So we really tried to think it out honestly in a, in a way that, um, you know, for better or worse, we we believe in it, and I believe in in the idea of, of it as a business model. I'm excited that it's working out. I see a lot of, uh, and I'm going to start uh, tweeting them and reposting them more aggressively, but a lot of people trying a similar model uh, at a smaller scale right now. And I think it's, it's exciting because it's, it's a way of connecting directly with your audience, giving them something special and then using that to fund the book. So you're not at the mercy of kind of the weather pattern whims right now of corporate comics or of uh, the marketplace itself, you know, given the volatility. So that's kind of the whole, that's, that's all the thinking um, and why we're doing it the way we're doing it. And luckily for me too, like I'm not taking any money from it. You know, I I always said from the beginning that uh, whatever profit I made past being able to fund the art team for the first five to six issues, because not to get too in the weeds or whatever, but when you make a book like this, you don't really start to see money at all for it until you hit about issue uh, until you you're drawing and writing about issue five or six, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you put it out on the stands. And then when you're about around issue three, where you start to see royalties for issue one. So um, you're technically working on issue five when issue three is coming out, when you're getting paid for issue one, which means you're working for about six months or so or six to seven or even eight months really without seeing anything in return. And um, here the benefit, again, is just that no matter what happens, we have the money now to be able to do that. And then anything I make past that money, which is part of our goal, which clearly we've made past is going to the art the same thing the art on the next book i'm doing for my own label for best jacket press we're going to announce who that person i have i have a bunch of people i'm, I'm working with who are already known like uh because i've been teasing it for too long to hide it but Frances- <laughs> francis manapal and jock and uh, francesco Francavio, but there are also people that are i've never worked with or some i've only worked with tangentially that are uh up and coming artists other people too that i'm really excited about so uh, the person who I'm working with next literally is we haven't announced yet, but I'm going to before the end of the campaign, because they're they're going to do a print that we're going to give people if we make enough to be able to do that too. So I feel good about it. I'm not taking a profit. We're just taking what we take to fund the book and then it goes to the next artist and it allows me to, to, to um, you know, allows me to, to fund projects that I, I can feel really good about. I know everybody always exactly. do, like you make millions of dollars on Batman or that kind of thing, but you do not. And uh, if I I could fund four or five artists all by myself, like some of whom have high page rates, like Tony, you know, and pay them their real page rates, like DC page rates and up and coming, I would. But, you know, this allows me to to do that and do it aggressively so that I can put a bunch of books into production without um, without having to have anybody at the mercy of what's going on in the world. You know, so I I feel I'm waiting. I'm kind of looking for people to tell me this is why this is a bad idea. This is why it won't work. And I'm all like, I, I really want, I want to be a better part of the community that way and try and, you know, be, be a good guy about it. You know, that's part of the, the name of the label is best jacket. It's the portmanteau of my kids' names, but Two of them. I, it, the third came along too late. But the um <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it's that
0: corporate cutoff.
4: <laughs> I know, I know. His, his name's Quinn and his jacket is Jack and Emmett with two T's, so it's jacket. And then my uh, wife's like, it's a jacket with a Q and I'm like, No one can pronounce that. It's like oh getting <laughs> yeah, too
1: okay. weird. Yeah,
4: Quinn. I know, right? So uh, <laughs> anyway, the point is it's about like putting on your best jacket, making your best work. Trying to to proceed with integrity and the best you can. I mean, I know I'll mess up, but I'm trying hard to. I want this to be a phase in my career where I can make books I'm excited about with people I can work with in a really positive way, and you know, try and eventually try and bring in new books that I'm not writing. You know, if I mm-hmm. can make enough and do that and be able to help fund stuff, that's the ultimate goal.
0: You're clearly yeah, a millionaire I mean, because you're getting all these high-end child haircuts. So I, I can't hide it. Uh,
1: we do have questions here about the premise of Noctera, which I do want to get to in a second. But before we do, I wanted to ask you a little more about the imprint, the label. It seems like the direction you're heading in a little bit. But is, is the goal to build kind of your own mini imprint inside image or eventually separate from image? Or is there another goal there? Uh, where, where are you thinking at this point?
4: Yeah, the goal the goal I talked to Image about doing it solely in Image and I have a really good um I love them I have a really good um home there for I'm I'm doing so many I'm already I'm like I'm doing Undiscovered Country, I'm doing uh Noctara, I'm doing Witch we're coming back with Witches and I have one other book that is part of Best Jacket that I I'll announce later in the year that I'm going to do with Image. So I have a lot over there. Um but what I wanted to do with the imprint was to have the mobility to try things differently. So I'm not committed to any one publisher. I could decide on publishing a book with uh, with Black Label if you know they're still doing creator-owned in a year, or I could do, decide I'm doing a book uh, with an actual book publisher. One of the books I'm doing with Jack is more uh, is a little bit more prose-oriented. Uh, so we're I just want to be able to be mobile for the first time and not feel like closed into locked into one place. So I can, I can kind of decide, maybe we'll release a book on panel syndicate. I was talking to Brian about it, Brian yeah, and be like, pay what you want. If I can, if I can get in a position where that's, that's doable and the book is the right book, then I'd love to do that too. So the fun is to be able to be flexible, talk with a partner on the book, uh, whoever the creative partner is about what they want to do, what their goals are. And figure out different ways of making and putting out books. So it's it's that it's wanting to be nimble and you know not not feel kind of constrained by any one publisher right now. But yes, a, a bunch of the books are I'm sure will end up in Image, and we already have a couple committed there.
1: Yeah, So let's talk about Doctera. And I see, by the way, for anybody watching over on YouTube or Crowdcast, I see you have a bunch of questions popping up. We'll definitely get to those in a moment. Uh, But first, this is such a fun, at least at first, seemingly relatively simple concept. Um, I'm curious to hear your pitch line of it. And I'm also curious to hear whether it was something you specifically geared towards Tony S. Daniel, if he came on board later, because it seems like such a perfect cohesion of your two interests.
4: It is. Uh, I was just tweeting out again, like come by cause I'm having a great time. The, uh, <laughs> it, is, like, it is a great, it's a great thing to do together. Like, so the way, I mean, it's an idea. It's one of those ideas that came about quite a while ago. Um, it's one of the oldest creator owned ideas I've had that. And, uh, the one that I'm, I'm thinking about doing with Jock were the, the oldest out of, um, the slate that I'm kinda of building. Uh and it's really it's just as a kid I had a, a real big fear of the dark. You know, I remember very vividly standing in the hallway of our apartment in New York City, outside, like out in the, the hallway of the building, where there were you know, at night they shut the lights and you'd I'd have a flashlight and uh be like, how long could I, you know, I'll hold the flashlight off before I had to turn it back on, you know, and stay in the dark. And um, seeing my own kids, especially my nine-year-olds, like, really have um, kind of a bit of an acute struggle with that, too, it made me think, like, why don't I just do a world that's always in nighttime? And then I was like, well, that's scary. And then I'm like, well, what if the nighttime is just as frightening as we imagine it to be so that everything changes in the dark from every kind of animal, every living creature – even plants, they don't become like Audrey too, but they become like, <laughs> you know, they, they twist and become unfamiliar and unrecognizable and and, and and like, you know, spooky looking. And so the whole world is changing into something unfamiliar and predatory and scary in the dark. And I, I knew I had something special. And so I've been sitting on it for a couple of years. And um, Tony and I had been friends since about 2010 when uh, we flipped on Batman and Detective, where he, mm-hmm. right. yeah. he was very right. nice to me. I was very nervous. I mean, I still... When I got on Batman, uh, I mean, when I got on Detective, even, I was not prepared for that. I was, like, uh, very, very much, uh, you know, of the mind that I would have to spend at most, like, at least, I mean, like, 10 years in comics before I ever got a chance to write anything that related. And so when they taught me to do Detective Comics when I was only a few issues into American Vampire, I mean, it was the best, it was the honor of my career and life at the time, but it was also, like the worst possible <laughs> like, it's like, it's like if you, you know, if you always wanted to be like a baseball player and you like, maybe one day I'll make it in the major leagues and they pick you and, and you skip all of the minor leagues. and they're like Yeah. You're pitching the up. <laughs> like, yeah. Your first gig is pitching in the world series in game seven. And like, you know, and you're just, that was how it felt. And so Tony was actually really kind to me. Um, ben, we talked a lot back and forth about, um, the fun of doing it and you know connecting story about the joker's face and all this stuff and so we became friends and then uh we went through stuff i went through stuff in his family and i went through stuff with my family just health stuff family you know all this kind of stuff. And we became close on a personal level and uh and uh so we always circle back to each other just saying when could we do something creator owned? and uh the the uh idea really I, I pitched it to him about maybe almost two years ago and i was like what do you think of this one this might be it if you have time and it just happened to be he was just kind of coming off batman he was talking about doing creator owned and so we met up in chicago and then he when, we, when he was here in new york we met again and we just did designs and really got into it and we were like let's do it and so we were already working on the book for ourselves planning it out you know through about three arcs and stuff and talking about it as an engine for best jacket. And I was thinking of it as like an engine where I was like, this is the kind of book that, you know, you come out swinging, it's high octane It's horror. It's a little different than stuff that I've done, but it also, it, it's, it's right up the alley of the kind of stuff I love. It takes like the bombast and kinetic aspects of, you know, metal and all of that and marries it to kind of the horror of witches. And I'm like, this is, this is going to be fun. And it's got trucks with big armored lights on um, <laughs> uh, monsters. So, uh, it would just seem like a no brainer uh, to, to launch strong with it. And uh, we started working on it and we worked that we started working almost a year ago. And then uh, really when we got into the winter, we started to worry about the industry and COVID and, and uh, we were still just kind of in planning design stages and all that. And that's when we were like, well what if we try this method where we do a Kickstarter and this and image was really supportive and, so we, they were like, go for it. As long as it's not something that hurts retailers. They were very good. I'll give that credit to them, to Eric and everybody there. They were really great about uh, uh, making sure that we didn't produce anything that would step on retailers in terms of like... Because we could have just done the first issue signed and said, well, we're releasing it through Kickstarter. We'll do a signed issue. But that would cut into retailers. Right. We could have done something that was in color and letter, but signed—you know a hardcover. Mm-hmm. That would have... so. They were very protective in a good way of the retailers that uh, have, and it really, this, we wanted it to be as well. But it was they were really good about keeping our uh, keeping us honest about that. So, yeah, That's and Tony's a great partner. I mean, we we get along great. We really we're having a lot of fun. He's 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 very funny too. I'll say that. If you ever get him on one of these, like, oh, he's he's a very funny dude. I, like I don't him. think we've had him on the show.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so yet.
4: Uh, hearing
0: you describe Noctera and and uh, just a, a dark world. Reminds me of, uh, I think it was some back matter in maybe the first issue of Witches or the second. And there's, uh, there's a picture of a, a tree, uh, the knot in it. Yeah. And you are talking about just being in the woods, I think, at night. Uh, something, I grew up in the country, and now I'm scared of the woods. And you are partially <laughs> But I grew up
4: in the woods, and now yeah. I go
0: there and I'm like, this is terrifying.
4: Yeah. I remember witches. We, we always used to hike in the woods and there was that car we found. And that was really part of the inspiration of that, that story. So this one has almost a more, a bigger, uh, more primal kind of, um, driving horror to it. And you know, it's fun too. The designs are crazy. It's all like, if you stay in the dark too long, you get infected and then you change and nobody's lived to talk about what a human looks like because they live far out somewhere. No one sees them. It's all the other animals that come after us. So we save kind of what a human looks like for issue five and that's awesome. all the animals like your the bones elongate the teeth elongate the not fangs but it's just creepy the spine oh, just, just the worst possible thing really
0: yeah
4: and it's like the skin stretches and turns charred like black charred like because any light burns it so it's it's really they're really spooky looking tony's done a great job with them and uh I'm really excited. The main character is great too. He really helped. I mean, he's a father to daughters and he was really instrumental in bringing in some of his own background to her background. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, the design is great. She, the way she had, uh, all these, just, to, I haven't said this yet, but she had these, uh, she had these like very severe cataracts when she was a kid and she was, she's eventually, she was an orphan and she's adopted. Uh, and so when she's fine, she's adopted it three or four, she has, uh, the corrective surgery if she's fine, but she remembers that period of living in darkness and what the sun looked like back then to her, which wow. was this kind of almost like a Corona, like a ring. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's her call sign is the thing she has on her face is the way she saw the sun in darkness because she always used, she used, she kind of. Figured out how to navigate that darkness and to to be uh, really competent and badass even as a little kid. So it reminds her that she has the strength and the kind of adaptive skills now to be the best trucker on the roads. So wow, it's, it's that's kind of stuff that I love. You know, and Tony and I came up with it together, and she's she's a blast. Her brother, her adoptive brother, uh, Emery is great too. He's he's like her tinkerer. He's, he's like her guide. He talks to her on CB from headquarters.
1: This this is mostly based on what you're saying and the Kickstarter video and everything. It it's you're very good about creating these very mythology and then have him come out through the action. I mean, look at, I know it's you and Charles Soule on Undiscovered Country. There's yeah. a lot going on there at any moment. But even to your Batman work, it's the same thing when you're delving into Gotham City and other things like this. Here, and correct me if I'm wrong, it almost feels like you're pulling back on that a little bit and instead leading into the action side of things. Is that yeah. what we can expect from the book?
4: Yeah, very much. I mean, the driving the driving force of the book is the mythology, but you know, whereas when you do something like Undiscovered Country, where I feel like it's right in... I mean, it's it's more of the the whole book is built around the propulsive quality of that mythology of every different land. This is built around, like, the mystery of what brought the darkness? What is it? Is it supernatural? Is it cosmic? Is it um, some other kind of phenomenon, man-made, alien? Like, what is it? And we have an answer to that that comes, you know, uh, now it's in the fourth arc, but if the series goes well and we can keep it going and this is the thing Bullshit. like like undiscovered country i did with one of the things that was interesting with with charles and we were saying at first we're like all right we got 18 issues and then when we started planning it we were like there's no way we we need 50 issues to do this and i was like 50 issues that's like our whole job you know and and it was great and we just decided you know like bring back american vampire 2 i want to commit to series some of the projects are shorter a couple of the books are like Five issues, or you know, and that stuff, and out. But they're they're announced that way, like the best jacket projects. Um, but these books that we want to keep going, I want to be the pillars that like hold up the other books to be able to, you know, try things that are more experimental, or try things that are shorter, or that have different um, distribution methods through digital or through whatever. So all of it is kind of um, trying to to maneuver and do different things. So yeah, this one, the mythology is hugely important. But it, it kind of sits in the background more because they're just trying to survive until they realize at, in quickly in the first dark that some one of the people that um, Val is trucking is carrying and she they're called ferrymen truckers in this world, and um that she's carrying in her truck might be the person responsible for the darkness in the first place mm-hmm. that's what people are starting to claim and so mm-hmm. she realizes there might be an answer and so it leads her on this kind of quest to start to figure out more about it and then that opens up more and more of the the mythology, but the first, the first real arc is so much about survival that, uh, you're right. It does. It, it's sort of, it's a bit sublimated beneath the action and the, the high octane kind of survival, desperate, you know, uh, like plot driven aspects of it or character driven aspects of it.
1: Uh, we got a bunch of questions here uh, yeah. about various books that you've written. I, I do want to, since you've touched on Undiscovered Country, I'll bring out this one from Josh. Uh says, Undiscovered Country seems like a character study of the U.S. and its current polarization regionalism. Is this a hopeful story or a qu- cautionary tale?
4: Mm. Well, it, it is hopeful in a way. I mean, one of the things that's funny about that book is that I think a lot of people— you know, ask us, how does it feel to write something that has these kind of corollaries in the real world? There's like, it's about a, you know, the U S suffering this, the whole world really, but the U S response to this pandemic uh, and the way it mishandles it and then closes its borders to everybody and winds up disappearing from the global stage. And then nobody knows what happened there. And then 30 years later, this team is invited in to explore America and get a cure for the pandemic Uh Uh, that's what's promised in this message inviting people in and so when the team lands there they find all of this craziness and these different zones that are all like you know sci-fi and and land of the lost and they're making their way through and so uh the things that people think are sort of of the moment like the pandemic the factionalism the kind of death of you know federalism and all of that kind of stuff in it uh, we didn't really see as the thing that's most timely to us or the thing that makes it most resonant is the, the kind of cautionary tale and the hopefulness about what it's trying to say about isolationism on every level. I mean, mm. right now I feel like, you know, isolationism, there's the isolationism in terms of us being more and more alienated from kind of, you know, the geopolitical, like global, uh, landscape but there's also just the ways in which we on a personal level we insulate ourselves from each other constantly you know even in yeah. the way we some of it's great the way we choose entertainment like my kid and his friends were 13 they're all obsessed with cheers And i'm like cheers. <laughs> 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 Wow. I, was that I know so i was my favorite show you know i'm like i, I visited the set when i was uh 16 in their last oh episode, wow their last uh season yeah so i mean yeah, I, I, nice. I i went to the, see it So I'm fascinated by this idea that it can be positive where it's like a bonding thing over, you know, cultural things that you find yourself, you find like-minded people, all of that. I'm not saying it's all negative, but at the same time, it's easy to insulate yourself and and silo yourself in terms of everything from from entertainment, cultural, uh, you know, information, news, obviously political stuff, everything. You can bubble wrap yourself and find nothing, and it can be extremely dangerous, and then I think that that's it's just a different way we live nowadays and 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 when you celebrate that on a in, a in a negative way the way the president does and all of this kind of stuff now you not only kind of divide people but you encourage them to believe only the things that they uh they uh have faith in uh to be true at the expense of everybody else and America, the thing that's so wonderful about it uh, is that it, its principles, even though we will never, you know, aspire to them and we have these incredibly huge sins in the past that are not hypocritical, doesn't even go like close to how bad we are, given how short we fall of our principles. But the ideas by which we were founded, you know, that, that we're all equal and we're all part of one collective story uh, and that we're, we're supposed to feel uh, invested in the fate of the country as one giant cacophonous argumentative you know disagreeing but trying to get through it together sort of society uh, that that's kind of the the, perp- the point of the book is that the dangers of isolationism on every level whether it's the characters who are isolated from themselves from t- the people in their past from the truth uh, or from um, the truth of this place and the way that these different zones have kind of each one was created in isolation. And in doing so it became something monstrous that any, anyone living in isolation, you know, to, to an extent sort of becomes a creature of that isolation in a way that I think can be really destructive. It doesn't mean you shouldn't like spend time alone or like live. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? So in that way, that's what we find to be the most resonant and the most, you know, everything else is circumstantial that kind of comes in and, and, and is reflected in the world. So we, we try and stay really focused on that. It's a book about reminding ourselves that the whole country is like this beautiful lie that will never, never come true. Like we will never be as good as the things that we were founded by. But the desire to aspire to those things or the reaching, even though, you know, you fall short or the desire to reach together is is what makes us hopefully uh, who we can be. even though if we are not in this moment. So that's the book is hopeful. We're both hopeful. I mean, it's not like a, it's not a cautionary tale where everybody's going to get eaten by like a mutant bear. And it's the end. You know? like, <laughs> they're trying to get to the center and find the truth. And, you know, we're, we're hopeful about it. I've always been hopeful about it, even though um, it's dark times, you know, and it's really, a lot of the conversations we're having right now, it, it's, you know, they're, they're incredibly important reckonings with, with our past. And that's, 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 that's what being in it together is, you know, it's, having to recognize all the things that, that are so ugly about ourselves in so many ways. I just got a news alert about mutant bears in central park. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. they, yeah, I was walking right before this. I was walking with my kid in town on the way back here. because uh, I had to run down and get him a lunchbox from CBS. And they had a shirt that literally just said 2020 sucks. There was like, <laughs> I was like was not there was no bells and whistles like no. Just jokes. what else do you need to say? Yeah, no, <laughs> no joke. There like, no there joke. like blank like block letters that just said that. and It was like no picture. <laughs> is it? I was like. And that's at CVS. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was right on the rack at CVS. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's
1: crazy yeah, how normal.
0: Normcore the idea of 2020 sucking. Yeah. Become- I'll
1: take some uh, Advil, toilet paper in the uh, 2020 section sucks. Thanks.
4: Exactly. Thank you.
1: <laughs> uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about how you and Charles started with. I think you said it was this eighteen issue plan for Undiscovered Country, but there's no way you could fit it in, so it expanded to fifty plus issues. But at the same time, you're taking it and distilling it down into the movie script, right? Like, what yes. what has that experience been like to yeah. say, "Here's the story we had to blow out, now we need to make it much more distilled"?
4: It's really interesting. Uh, we just got off the phone with them yesterday embarrassingly, I had to take my kid to urgent care because he got bit by a spider of some kind and his his ankle swelled up and then he was fine. Mm. But in the heat of the moment, I was like, yeah, oh my God, it's a black widow. What is it? Like, you know, I took him there and then I had to do the call from the parking lot of urgent care. (laughs) on Zoom and I was like just sit in the back and like play your thing here's your headphones so I'm like in the parking lot with these movie people so anyway but it was an important uh, phone call isn't that that's it happens all the time now it went awesome it went well but the so the uh, meanwhile, they're like cutting us or whatever. I'm sure. That guy at a hospital. We can't work <laughs> with him. Sitting <laughs> <laughs> outside urgent care with a kid with his leg elevated. With like, yeah. I'm, like I'm professional. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, it's really interesting because it's it's almost like um, they want it to be like it sounds really ambitious, but. Uh, New Republic really wants it to be a trilogy, uh, so wow, it's, nice. we have the same amount of story. Like, there's it, we get to tell the same amount of story, but we really had to reorganize it a lot to make it make sense, so that we're not asking people that come to the movie to to, to buy into all three. You have to really like the comic. You know, you're part of the fun is you know you're in for a long ride. It's an ongoing. You're going to keep up with it. It's going to entertain you. It's televisual you know, a movie you go in and you don't want it to be like, this is the first of three, you know, unless you already love the source material. So yeah. for example, like what we did was instead of them landing in one zone, they are going in and the, the helicopter, the thing they're coming in and is hit in the storm and the, it's going down and they eject and they land in two separate zones. And so mm-hmm. half the team is in one, half the team is in another in the zone. The, the one team that's in the zone, um, it's sci-fi that we're doing right now, actually. And, um, the next issue, you'll, you'll see it fully for the first time issue eight. Um, that zone, they believe that to be the place they were supposed to reach this, the city center, like the, the shining city, even though it's only one zone along the way. So the, the movie actually takes a whole different structure where, you know, they think some of their team is trapped in this terrible destiny zone, the destiny man, and they're trying to get them back. And they slowly realize that the zone they're in isn't what they were promised either. And it's this whole big thing. And are they going to continue or not? So it was really interesting re-breaking the story and changing the pacing and the structure, but it was helpful too, because it really made us believe in what we're doing was is right in comics and that's right for a film. And it made us know the characters a lot better also because they have such different experiences between the movie and the, book in the the comic, but they're really the same characters. There's nothing really different. Oh, that's cool. In them. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm like, I've never... I, I, I used to write screenplay back when I was in my early 20s with a buddy of mine, and we got we got hired to do a couple things. So I enjoy it, but I only really like it when I'm doing it with somebody else. It's not something I would want to do by myself. Same with, like, you know, tell TV. So I'm a comic book nerd, you know? I like to, to do that. And uh, But, like, with that, I'm writing with Charles and with Witches. I'm excited. Uh, we got to we're doing it for television, uh, now by the same company, but they, they thought it would make, they, they read more of our plan. And we're like, why, you know, why don't we try and do this for TV? And so they brought us on doing the pilot. And, um, and James Tynan is actually coming in to do some of it with me too. Oh, right. Right. Uh, right. That's great. I know I don't even know, know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm saying it anyway. but the, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The point, the point I'm trying to make is like, I feel like it's a lot of fun. I only want to do those things if I can do it with friends, you know, cause it's, It's not, I don't, I just don't enjoy it the same way all by myself doing like a screen player. You know, I like the collaboration of comics. So yeah, Yeah. I like that too.
1: That's awesome. Uh, We have a question about American Vampire here over on uh, YouTube. Clemens Lerner says, with the long gap in between, why now go back to American Vampire? Will this be the finale or will it continue to American Vampire 2020?
4: It's absolutely, that's a great question, man. Uh, well, back to it now, there's a bunch of reasons. Uh, the biggest was because we always wanted to finish in 1976 and have that arc bring us up to the present. Uh, it's the Bicentennial. Uh, I never really felt comfortable doing arcs in the 80s and 90s just because the 80s, I feel like, are done so much. And on top of that, um, it's so close. Like it's It starts to get really close to my childhood and my upbringing. I grew up in the 80s and my i just i always I loved the idea of doing a story that told the secret history of times before the history that i you know that i wasn't a part of in a big way too so i was i was excited to end it in 1976 um and practically this is the 10th anniversary of our first issue so dc approached us yeah. this year 2020 and they said listen for the 10th anniversary we really want you guys to do that arc you've been talking about and we had planned on doing it last year um we were at, like the big secret I don't know if this is a bad thing to say but we were really going to do it in uh, 2019 into 2020 but they wanted to do it in 2020 for the 10th anniversary so we would have brought it back earlier um but we they figured there'd be a bigger push this year with all of it and I'm glad they did schedule wise so we're quite far in I'm writing issue six Raphael is drawing issue five and it's a Mm. nine and a half kind of nine almost ten issue arc uh and it's I love it it takes place in uh all over the place, and it brings in all these '70s aesthetics. So it's like New York in the '70s, nice. serial killer plotline in in 1976 wow. in Times Square with Calvin and Travis teaming up. Wow. And he find Calvin, who uh, is the taxonomist for uh, and an American vampire for the group that hunts hunts uh, the kind of beast and the, the demon worshippers that we're after right now. The witch, the the uh, tongue finds Travis, and he's working in a disco. And he's like, "Why would you be here? Travis was the rockabilly dude in the fifties, and now yeah. he, now he's like all kind of washed up in the seventies and i and I, at the end of the scene, it's really fun. you think that he's he's just there to kind of disappear and instead he's rigged all the." The, he's rigged the disco ball so that it shoots solar light at it and all you realize all the people dancing are vampires and you're like oh, oh yeah <laughs> oh, that's awesome and then some of them survive and they're coming after him and calvin's like what are you doing and he's like i rigged the floor too and it's one of those floor with the <laughs> <laughs> And he's like let's go kill some vampires so it's it's that fun and then a lot of it takes place in vegas in the 70s and then a lot of it takes place um with this kind of this paranoid plot that uh, that uh, I'm just giving so much away. (laughs) It it begins with Skinner being asked to rob a real thing called the freedom train. And the freedom train was uh, uh, like a museum train that they wanted to celebrate 200 years of American history. So it had everything in it from like George Washington's copy of the constitution to like Judy Garland's movie slippers to and so it's a train full of American history and they're asking him to rob one of the cars, like detach it and steal it. And he doesn't know why. So that's kind of the beginning of it. And you can see it's just, it's everything I love in one place. They've been thinking about this arc forever and it's, it's the big, everybody's in it from, yeah, Gus, Skinner, Pearl, Travis, some real big surprises, Dracula, everybody. So, all things <laughs> Oh, Dracula.
0: All the vampires you can think of. Excellent. A
4: lot of monsters, a lot of monsters. So, uh, we, we do have a question here.
0: Um, is your son Spider Man?
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, I know. I made that joke to him and he got so nervous about it. He's <laughs> <was> Nervous? <ran. laughs> He was like, he was so scared. I was like, what if it was radioactive? And he was, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> well, keep checking him for powers. Uh, this is a yeah. very specific question uh, over on YouTube from Bruce Wayne. Uh, please ask, Scott, about the Superboy Prime. Will it be the real one or a version of the dark multiverse? Uh,
4: I should say wait and see, but it is the real one. It is the sure. real one, and uh, it, the characters that you see in the crises, worlds are the real characters. So there is the real Superboy Prime. He's really there. And uh, he really plays a big part. He's, his arc in the story is quite important. So, yeah. Nice. That's
1: awesome. Uh, I don't know how much you can talk about this, but I'm just curious about Death Metal seems to have grown so much Henry. and gotten so big and expanded so far. How did that happen? Because I feel like I remember you Uh talking about it at first and being like, "Yeah, it's this uh, intense, very direct, like tight little cool story that's a sequel." And now it's (laughs) almost an entire year with multiple books and things spitting out of it.
4: Yeah, well, it's still the thing I'd argue is that given the size of some events, it's quite modular still, where you don't have to buy anything that you don't want to. You can still just read it straight through, like and read it without any, um, you know, without any. without any peripheral material being crucial, I would argue that, like, a couple of... Like, the Trinity Crisis issue coming up is pretty important, but if you skip it, Sergeant Rock recaps it. He's, like, a, at this point, he's rotted out. To, he's just a head in a helmet <laughs> being carried by Ambush Bug, And he's like, where have you been? And then he's like, mm-hmm. and he's like, if you missed it, they went into the Dark Multiverse and did this and this and this and this. All right, here we go. And you turn the page and he's like... <laughs> so you'll get your recap. But um, the, the idea was... I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm I'm this like honest phase. Not that I was never dishonest, ever dishonest, <laughs> But I just mean like, you know, there's I, I've I've had years where I've been very on message with DC, uh, never at the never at the expense of what I believed. But I, there are things I have not talked about at times when I felt like, you know, wanting to talk about them would explain things in a way that would have been easier, but didn't feel appropriate to address. And this is something that I don't feel anyone's hurt by, so. So Death Metal, when we planned it, I pitched it in 2016, and it was like, with Death Metal, as a kind of very vague thing that was like, this is the crisis, that's the anti-crisis. The anti-crisis will be everybody going down swinging in this huge way where it's all about having to reconnect to history, reconnect to one big story, like we were saying about America right now in undiscovered country. Everyone, instead of rebooting and rebooting and everyone always trying to restart, which is what Wonder Woman is doing now, you get it. She realizes in issue five, she has to be the opposite, is that you, it's about everyone lassoing together and connecting and saying, all of our sins are real. All the things we did happened, everything that, that we might be, might be worse than what we are. It might be horrible. It might be great. We don't know what we're going to become, but we have to, the only way forward is to accept all of that and reckon with it. move and so that was pitched it then and uh and then it's become more and more weirdly appropriate for um what's going on you know all over with dc in particular too i mean i'm very excited about uh daniel cherry coming in i think that uh marie marie is the person i've worked most closely with there for years i mean she's my best like my best friend there left she and mark doyle are so um, I'm very excited, and think she deserves the co-editor-in-chief job as much as anybody ever has ever. She's also like the most interesting woman in the world, like the Dos Equis. She's thrown <laughs> out of the globe twice uh, wow. with, with no no planes, obviously. She wrote a book about it. She was a colorist. She worked at Marvel. She was worked with Daniel Johnston. She gave me a Daniel Johnston drawing for my birthday. You know, the wow. thinger. of Etrigan, wow. of Etrigan, no less. Oh. Uh, She used to work in the museum of cinema. Like she's done everything and been everywhere and she's awesome. And so she has a lot of great plans for DC. I have a lot of faith in Michelle Wells and um, he sounds great. So my hope is that what's happening is that they're going to restructure and really try and bifurcate things so that what's coming out in the direct market is really strong and designed for the direct market and, you know, works for retailers in a way that's less of less chaotic and gluttonous than some of the stuff right now. with So many things. And then you use some of the digital options to be able to test out new talent, new characters, new ideas, you know, just more, more things in their place in a good way. So everything is special in its own right. A lot of, lot of really good ideas and about expansion internationally. So, um, but rewinding, um, 2016 was uh, 2017, 2018 metal came out, did well, they said, go for it. So I started planning it in 2018 while I was doing, I was kind of off the line, and just doing, I did Justice League, but I, by the time we really dug into it, I was just doing Last Night on Earth and that stuff. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, was, I had written, I wrote ahead on Justice League quite a bit, so I had time to do it. And at that time, there was just a lot of plans at DC where they were like, maybe we'll do this 5G stuff, um, you know, which, which uh, had a lot of good ideas, but was very difficult to kind of figure out how to tie into And then there were a lot of things changing constantly. There were things like things expanded, things contracted. You're the Villain was was kind of something that was additive that came out of some ideas that we had that then got expanded. So it was a very weird road as we were getting ready for Metal. They were always very supportive of us doing it. But the size of it and how it would impact the line was just always changing. It was like, Mm. is it going to be really big and have lots of... And one point, not to get too inside baseball, but at one point... We were going to take over the whole. They were like, "Can you take over for two months, like everything?" And I was like, oh my God, "I don't know if we can do that." And I, I didn't know if we wanted to or could do that. But then that got taken away, and it was like, "No, actually, can you do a couple specials?" And then that got exp- so it's just been very like. It, and then around you know in the winter, uh, it just quieted down. I mean, a lot of it was a lot of it was uh, they finally just ran out of time, and it was like, "We have to make something. We have to make it robust." and they decided they would give us a certain amount of room and it was bigger than what we thought. And then Dan left. And Dan, you know, was a complicated person at DC. We had a lot of, you know, knockdown, drag out fights, but he was also the one that, um, defended me and my ideas on black mirror and, uh, and court of owls when, um, the Warner brothers at the time really did not want to do those things the way I did them. So, a lot of mixed, a lot of, a lot of, I, I'll always be grateful to Dan and, and love Dan as my, like an uncle. And then at the same time, you know, we had a lot of fights about stuff. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that when it finally kind of like things became calm, when he was, he was gone the plans for what we had been thinking about after death metal opened. And it was like, we're no longer doing sort of monolithic thing. We were thinking in five key terms, but we need some, we want to do something and we want to, we want to make it inclusive, like inclusive and we want to you know, try new characters. And we, but we also want to really respect the characters we have. We don't want them to go away and we want them to be bright. Can we create an, another track for characters that we – all these kinds of ideas getting thrown around. It was like that's much easier to tie into. That's much easier to do. Let's create something that's a little bigger that pulls – the same exact story but pulls a bigger lever. Gives Whatever they want to do at the end gives people the freedom to do that. So it's more of a kind of, it's, it's bigger. It's more celebratory. I mean, I love it. Like I, I, it really is sincerely, I'm not bullshitting or shilling for it. You know, I can be, I I'm always like air on the side of Horish when I go out and like talk about my books, but I promise like, you know, I don't, I don't lie. Like I don't, I don't come out and say this is going to be great when I don't think it's going to be great. Luckily I have not had to make anything I've never had to (laughs) make anything solo on my own that I was extremely unsure of, you know, at the time, even things that I've made with other people, I really believe in like, so I can't think of anything that there are only times that the only times is when we've had a lot of editorial interference when I, when I was working with, you know, trying to guide something that the person that was, I was working with didn't have um, the ability to push through some of the red tape that um, I would have had, had I been more involved. And so they got crushed by notes. And then, you know, those kinds of things. So it was, that sucks to watch, you know, but um, now I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm like retreading my whole. Okay. like I'm like, re- the point I'm trying to make is that death metal. I, I love it. I sincerely love it. Like at the end, you have Superman with the hair blowing in the wind. Yeah. Lex Luthor behind him in a battle suit and Batman standing with the Joker and Nightwing and everybody behind him and dark side, the whole DCU being like, let's do this. We're fighting the last 52. This is awesome! I love it, and like, that yeah. just all Wonder Woman leading the charge, the entire DC universe together to so make cool. Awesome. story ever. So hard to pull off. I, yeah. It's funny hearing that's you describe grab- Nightmare. You know, where the Batman who laughs creates a multiverse of terrible, terrible possibilities, and that's the new multiverse. And he's like, "This is the new generation." He's like, "People don't want what you're selling anymore. They want this." And I'm making a weaponized terrible multiverse. That's it. You're old nuke. and they have to fight it. So I love it. I really enjoy it. And Greg's the, I mean Greg and I like Yeah. I chat with that dude every day. He's the best.
0: It's so crazy to have you guys drawing everything in this book. Just like (laughs) truly, uh, you guys have created such a world. It's so funny hearing you describe, because when when you were on Justice League and there was so much going on in the DC Universe and you were threading the needle of all the different crossovers sort of happening at once, we were like, how is this in their brains? (laughs) It's so crazy. And then it went silent, and then Death Metal is like the base, like, a heavy metal a bass guitar, just like starting up, and just like gets wild
4: again. Yeah, and and honestly, like it's it's not. And what I mean is the best in terms of my in terms of my stuff. Like I I love this more than I love the original. It's more me and Greg. It's more of a love letter and a eulogy to this moment in DC and in comics. Because what comes on the other side, hopefully, will be even better than what we have right now. But it is the end of an era. Like it is the end of this moment in a lot of ways where we're going to need to change and go through some, you know, difficult, I think um, contortions and come out the other side in a way that hopefully is stronger. But, you know, I talked to Jeff uh, Johns quite a bit. I talked to Grant. I talked to, you know, so we have, we have some really cool stuff coming in it too. that are big surprises still that we haven't announced that, you know, are just, we want it to be a celebration of everything. And it's built on all these events that, might be far better than ours, but at the very least, like we wanted to tip our hat and say it's an event that honors those things, but does something that's very much me and Greg.
2: Uh, what really has been uh, fun about death metal uh, for me is just like seeing the art and seeing like these ideas come to life, like Superman with knuckle dusters on. I never knew I needed that in my life, but I saw <laughs> it and I was like, how have I lived before this? <laughs> what? What for you was like something that you wrote, like "Oh man, this will be crazy." But then getting back the images and seeing it, like, really kind
4: of made you geek out and thought this. That, is cool. Superman was the top because Superman was the one I was most nervous about. I was like, yeah. Batman, Lord of the Dead, of course, like, who the hell is it gonna be? <laughs> nah. riding like a motorcycle that's made from the bones of the Joker dragon? bat thing, I'm like <laughs> sold. But, like, with, like, Batman, Wonder Woman, Queen of Hell, I was like sold. It's easy. Aquaman leading the Black Fleet, easy. I wish there was more. We had, we, we that was one, that's the one, just as an aside to Aquaman fans out there, it's so bummed because some stuff, when we set, we they told us we had the two months, like I told you, and we were like, two, two months is 60 issues. That's like, you know, everything. And you're like, oh my God, I can show you the pictures of the whiteboard. It was like, and we're going to do <laughs> It's going to be like, we had every fun character in there. We're like, Shadow Pact is coming back. <laughs> it was creepy. It was going to replace, you know, and it was like the team, the team tyrants. And it's this. And like, it was just wow. all this cool shit. Um, but um, we didn't have, we wound up not having it. And I'm glad it, it would have been too much work He killed us all. But Aquaman had this big part there. We couldn't do it. Uh, and there's not enough room for Aquaman in terms of giving him the respect and the story he deserves, but he's awesome. I was like, that's easy. He's with Cthulhu, Batman, Harley riding a giant hyena in the wastelands. Easy with Dr. Arkham pursuing her. Um, but uh, Superman was the one I was just like, cause I said to him, I'm like, I want to give him like hair metal hair. Yeah. I was like, was, like the mullet. We're going to bring it back. And he was like, I'm not, I'm not drawing a mullet for C-S-S-H-E. <laughs> 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 what do you like? And he's like, I'm going to make him look like a rock God. And I was like, Man, I don't know. I love it, but I don't know. And then the first image he drew, it was like this image of Superman walking towards you with this dark side arm and his hair was like blowing back like Thor. And I was like, Holy shit, that's the coolest super. I want that Superman. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's I love awesome. it. And it's cool. It just looked good. And like, so Superman was the one that was a little bit. I was like, once I once he pulled that off, and it was first try, I pulled it off. I was just like, We're golden, we're good. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care, you know. I, and, and like, you know, people, I know there's people that won't like it and don't like it. And that's totally fine. And, and I respect that. And they're perfectly welcome to their opinions and criticize us. And I never, you know, please, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hurt by that. And I'm glad that people are that passionate that they have those feelings about these characters, but we genuinely love it. And, and I, I'm putting in everything I have, though. I just, i writing the last two issues and. Like, even just the conversation between Lex Luthor and his repenting and saying, when I was a little kid, this is, you know, I used to, I I, I, he, I don't want to ruin it, but he talks about going to the, the planetarium and, and all this stuff. And it was oh. one of my favorite scenes I've ever written, you know, and most emotional. And then right after that scene, an army of Lobos comes out to fight with Wonder Woman down going to the Rock of the whatever. So it's like this constant, you know, <laughs> fun.
1: Uh, I know we've kept you for a while. I do want to ask you at least one more question here from YouTube before we let you go. This is from Chase Porter. Maybe this is too inside baseball, but I've always fantasized about Snyder moving to Marvel since he's been at DC for so long. Would this ever be possible or should I not hold my breath? LOL.
4: Oh no, it's, it's wholly possible. Um, what I would say is like, uh, and I, I love the people there. I have a good relationship with CB and uh, and Tom Brevard. And you know, creator wise, like we're all friends. I'm good friends with Donnie and and uh, and Jason. And all, like we're all we're genuine friends. Like we're all we're all friendly. There's nobody there that like I would have a problem going over there at all with. Um, the only thing I'd say is, and I have ideas too. I, I pitched Greg his whole story about. Um, Hulk called Smash Everything. It's this whole Hulk epic, but Al is uh, sold. I was like killing it. I'm afraid to go over there to be all yeah. for a long time. But also uh, Captain America. I have this whole Captain America story about the whole the iceberg and all this stuff too, and, and it takes place now. But uh, and then Ghost Rider and Wolverine. So there, those are the characters that I have things for, and it intertwines and kind of one big epic. But um, but I uh, I need some time to do creator own. That's really what it is. Yeah. I can't. I've done, like, doing metal and and organizing and and some of the stuff you'll see, like, the last, uh, what we wound up getting for metal is, um, we have a few specials towards the end, and they're 80-page giants with, like, uh, 10 stories in each. Some of them are about the heroes kind of last night before the last fight, uh, where they think they're all gonna die. So it's kind of what they would do in the last night, and we have a really good mix of, like, legendary people coming to write characters that they're known for and new people and same the lot. The other mm-hmm. special is the battles between the horrible future people coming back and the, the horrible nightmare. And, the, and so that we have a lot of new voices there too, and some really good classic stuff. So um, that it takes a lot, man, it takes a lot of organizing and a lot of, yeah. a lot of like letting people do whatever they want. And then also coming in to make sure it connects and, And so I don't, I don't really, I'm not dying to, I'm dying to have some freedom to just, like I said, with Best Jacket, just make weird decisions and just do whatever with friends and creators that without that, um, without such a kind of matrix of, of corporate expectation and also fan expectation around it. I want to just be surprising to myself and do some stuff to, to, you know, try different creative opportunities just for a bit. And then, I will happily go to Marvel at some point. I can't wait to try it. I love that idea of going over there. I just, I just, I don't want to go right from DC to Marvel That's all. And then I I have another, I have one also just like not jumping the gun. Like I do have one thing, you know, I want to, I still have two things at DC. Um, One is like a a Nightwing story that I think, I think um, I still will hopefully be able to to find the time to do um, called Parabola that I've been pitching I mean, it got green light. It's, it's so, but it's more, you know, just finding the time now to do it. And, uh, and the other is, is a bigger project that, um, you'll see teased at the end of metal, but it's also, it's also something that steps off of the main line a little bit, even though it's in continuity. So it's not, it's not like the JSA, but it's the equivalent of doing something like that where, uh, You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't be interfering with the the line, the main line in a way that you you're giving the oxygens to people that new voices and people that should be, you know, should be uh, visible on that line because there it's time for for people to come in, emergent creators and new people to take these characters. So Uh,
1: as a little bit of a follow up on that, uh, I know uh, you mentioned Dottie Cates. You guys have had a little bit of back and forth. There's certainly been some teasing in Donnie's work of some DC things and Marvel stuff. There's been some teasing of Marvel stuff and your DC stuff. Is there actually anything to that? Or is that just two friends having fun?
4: We're just two friends. Uh, We talk about it all the time, man. I ask about it all the time. I'm always like, Jim, what about this? And it's just, uh, there's (laughs) right now there's just too much. uh, I mean, maybe it'll change tomorrow. Maybe, 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 the new management coming into DC will have different feelings about this, but I'll link them up. And the, the feeling really is uh, that these are very, uh, these are characters that you don't want the brands to, to, you know, overlap in some Venn diagram that they want it. They want to strengthen each thing separately. And that's, that's not the creators we do it in a second. And Donnie is just as a quick, uh, I have to push, like I would push, I want to push James Tynan also, because he's doing so many great things right now between department of truth and, wind and uh yeah that's uh, something yeah. So and batman obviously with my brother jorge um yeah you, uh, gave, you gave the keys to your younger brother <laughs> i did he, he took the car even faster than me he's like <laughs> he found another oh. gear <laughs> i know he's awesome um but donnie just to give donnie because i love donnie as well like uh i read crossover early he showed it to me it's amazing uh we we talk stories. so i told him death metal he told me king and black Oh, I knew wow. like what Thor was going to be like, and it's going to be great. King of black's great. Like just, you know, so we are all friends and we just, we talk as creators before companies and we would do it in a second, but no, there's, I don't want to tease anybody with it. Cause there's, maybe tomorrow will change, but right now there's no plans for a DC Marvel thing.
1: Last thing i want to ask you before you go, just because this has been a nonstop running argument in our Patreon Slack for I want to say months now. Okay. Uh, can you settle this for us? Best bat suit of
4: all time. Oh, wow. like well, that? I can't not pick Greg's. That's the yeah. my favorite of Greg's too. Is the one that he did. I mean, my favorite is the really, like I'm sure it's like tiny and small, but I love the zero year one. That was like when he's. He's like sleepless on a motorcycle with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite because it's so us and it's so, like, if I, what it was, that was the moment I felt like, because uh, Court of Battles, you know, I was just like, they're going to find me out. They're going to kick me off. They're going <laughs> to, the the I got I to finish this one because it's all about growing up and, and realizing that, you know, that you're home and all that stuff. Everything you know, you have to be humble before history. You have to know that you're not the most important moment. All the stuff, like, you know, just get it done and get out because because they're going to they're going to figure out your fraud and, and you're never going to get to do it again. And then Joker, I was like, you know, I had these two parts. I had like uh Death of the Family and then Endgame in my mind, like comedy tragedy. But I was still I never thought I'd get to tell the tragedy part. So I just like went all in with like, whatever. Um But by the time we got to zero year, I was just like, you know what, if I'm going to do this and they want us to tear down the origin and do our own. And they messed up the origins of all these other characters or, you know, not messed them up, but changed them in New 52. So the old one right. doesn't fit anymore. And I want to make something for my kids. And I want it to be like, if you said to somebody, here's Batman's first year in Gotham. And you see him on a motorcycle dirt bike with sleeveless with a crossbow and a, and it's post-apocalyptic. You'd be like, that is the origin? That's <laughs> <laughs> He started like that? Wow. That was the first page. And I was just like... That's uh, that that it gave me the bravery to be like I'm I want to own my version of Batman and just do my own thing. So That suit is my favorite, but I think my second favorite of Greg's is the one he designed for Rebirth. Was I loved it because it was the black belt, slight purple trim, black bat, no yellow. I just love it. So, but if we're going outside of Greg, other favorite bat suits. I love Paul Polk's Batman Year One Hundred is one of my favorites. Oh of uh, I love uh, I love Pete Tomasi's Hellbat. I'm always jealous of that Hellbat Bat oh, wow. idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love you know year one uh, year one Dark Knight Returns as well. I'm trying to think like what am I not thinking of? I mean, I, if you look through our run, honestly, I love bat suits. I love bat suits yeah, <laughs> I Had like a formula where I was like every couple issues you you show him in a cool new bat suit doing something awesome like a has bat suit. Or this suit, or whatever snow suit. And my favorite was Jock once designed a suit, and then I'll shut up. He designed a suit that is for the snow. It's on the cover of our issue of All Star Batman, which is one of my favorite issues I ever wrote. But he, it's like a follow up with Mister Freeze, and it's like it's mostly text. And anyway, on the cover, it's like Batman in this suit that has like a bubble over it, like a full on mm-hmm. snow suit, but it's got a fur collar around. <laughs> there's a bubble that he's in. And it's Batman being like, I'm wearing a fur cape, assholes. Like, and it's like, <laughs> the thing where I'm like, that's, that's that's the the money on this Batman. Like, Why does he have fur? Like, he's like, it's like wearing a full on, like, heated hazmat suit, and then there's like a fur thing. <laughs> oh, and you like, use Batman. And I was like, all right, that's always the answer, right? So it was. that so was funny. Awesome. Yeah, it's still, it's still, it's out there. You can find it. It's like a fur collar around a bubble.
1: Amazing. I remember that issue. That issue is awesome. Everybody should definitely chase that down. Uh, Scott, thank you so much. Thanks for spending so much time. Uh, Good luck. I mean, you don't need it necessarily, but good luck with Noctera. Uh, Everybody should check out the Kickstarter for, I believe, the next 16 days or so. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Okay. Yeah, so definitely chase that down. Scott, thank you so much. Have a great thank night. You.
4: So great thank to talk you to you. Hopefully I'll see you again sooner than this time. Yes. And maybe yeah. I'd love for it to be on a boat all over yeah. again. Yeah, let's get will on on we'll the
0: one. The safest thing to do is be <laughs> on a boat right now. <laughs> exactly. Thanks
1: <Yeah. laughs> okay. Scott. Bye. bye. Take
0: care. Bye. Great to talk to you.
1: Oh man. Uh, Scott oh. Snyder, always great to chat with him. What a dream. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad we settled that bat suit thing. It's good to know nobody's gonna argue about that anymore. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: And that conversation never has to happen again because everyone's happy.
1: Uh, And now, folks, oh, yes, what were you going to say, Justin?
0: I was going to say, it's funny, whenever we talked to him, I remember at C2E2 one year, we sat and talked to him at the end of the show for, like, well over an hour. And it was like, I can't believe we're still sitting here. It's so great.
1: Well, this didn't come up, but I I think, if I remember correctly, we were doing interviews at C2E2 for Newsarama at the time, and that story he told earlier in the show about... Getting off from American Vampire onto Detective Comics, we were reading Loving American Vampire, and we were his first interview, I believe, to talk about Detective Comics. And I, I remember he was just like sweating bullets. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm having my first show. Uh, I'm coming up here. I'm talking about this thing, but it was great. So so good, uh, Pete. I gotta wonder,
0: what are you drinking? Is it ooze? Is it some sort of uh, <laughs> high octane urine? Or? It's
2: uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, before I was drinking the scorpion bowl.
0: This is just called tiki. What is what is that? What does I, that mean? I don't know.
2: It's a it's a mixed drink. Uh, there's a uh, uh, Asian cafe across the like corner for me, and they make all these mixed drinks. And I'm <laughs> so I'm you go through to a bar risk. and you
0: bring back cocktails to your house. Oh yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's wild to me that you're drinking a scorpion bowl in a glass. That's the yeah. weirdest part to me. You're a real proper motherfucker with your coffee glass. They give
2: it to you like a plastic jug, you know. That stuff's
1: poison.
0: Uh, scorpion bowls.
1: Before we get to the next part of the show, though, uh, to keep going with this, Justin, what are you drinking today?
0: Uh, I started with a Five Burrows Pilsner, uh, mm-hmm. very good, light. And then I'm drinking this uh, Cigar City uh, Margarita
1: Goza. Ooh, very how's good. that? I like it a lot. It's very good. Yes. Uh, I'm drinking. I found this beer. This is pretty cool. I'm excited about this one. Everybody should try it. It's called uh, PBR. Ooh, and I you're drinking a
0: solo cup? Are you a pledging red? this? Are you pledging? You I know, got uh
1: This is very stupid because Put all of the my beer stuff.
2: helmet. Drink it. Come the on. The beer
1: helmet's upstairs, Pete. Come on. Come I told on. you that's too many bits. Uh, no, there's push-up. this Ten Hulu push-up. thing... You Hulu thing uh, called the binge, and the press yeah. pack they sent was a six pack of PBR, so, uh, uh, set to do beer pong and a beer hat. And so uh, I pulled out the beer hat, and my daughter who's ten years old was like, "Ooh, that'd be great to drink Sprite out of." <laughs>
3: wow.
1: Which don't? You know, uh, I don't think she's ever had Sprite, so it was a very weird, surprising thing to
0: hear. Oh, wait her, till but. she tries beer. Yeah,
1: uh, we <laughs> did. We did beer pong. I beat her ass. <laughs> So there we go. Folks, it is time to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section other than the interviews, which are also pretty good because it's audience questions. And for that, I see already a bunch of questions here over on Crowdcast and ask a question. If you're over on YouTube as you guys have been doing, you guys and gals, uh, drop them in the comments there and I will keep an eye on them and we will read them. Also if you are on YouTube, we would very much appreciate a little bit of a thumbs up. Give us a like Give there. us that thumbs up. Pete and I are
0: big upping Wegmans at the same time. Wegmans! It, 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 it.
1: Wegmans <laughs> is great.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. believe me, I'm an upstate boy. It proved it, it was Prove positive that P and I are both from upstate New York. We both separately posted, I like Wegmans at the same time because someone said Wegmans.
1: I was looking at the tech, otherwise, I would have agreed. I went to Pete, went to Ithaca College, I went to Cornell University. So I'm very oh, we familiar never with talked that. About
0: the
2: differences
1: <laughs> yeah. between
0: those schools before. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: I was closer to Wegmans, though.
0: Yeah. 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 Your uh, support uh, was on, on a Wegmans bag, if I'm uh, yeah, if yeah, honest, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, I uh, do have a question about questions from Brandon Medina says, how do we do audience Q&A on YouTube? Uh, Brandon, just uh, drop them in the comments. I'm going to read them there, and I will check them out, and we'll go try to go back and forth if we can. Uh, let's actually start here on YouTube. Bandito740 says, is there any chance Justin snuck a CBC catchphrase in the boys' season two scripts? If Butcher tells Mother Milk to stop sucking on a cheese stick, <laughs> or if the deep says is one time I would lose my shit. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you you can clarify this one a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, or yes. is he to say, Pip, don't slip? Pip, don't slip. Easy to slide an uh, unrelated reference into a script for television. Oh, yeah. and nobody ever questions. Uh, I worked on the after show, um, and I don't think I did. I've occasionally tried to do that uh, on other <laughs> shows I've worked on, just like put a bit in. Nice. Uh, most of the time, people are like, what does this mean? I'm like, I don't oh. know. <laughs> Delete it. Delete it.
1: <laughs> you know, Pete says that thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Pete,
1: what <we're> happens? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you did, uh, the name of the show is Prime Rewind Inside the Boys. The first episode is up right now, three episodes on Friday. Uh, and if you can give me my 5%, I'd appreciate it.
0: I yeah, know, uh, Alex, you are always blowing the horn. and I love it. Truly, it's a fun show, especially um, the first episode is uh, like a huge recap, really gets into it with Eric Kripke and a bunch of people. As we go That's forward, great. it gets into more um, like weirder comedy bits and stuff like that, uh, which I um, helped make. So definitely check it out.
1: Uh, cool. Over here on Crowdcast, uh, we got a bit of a more serious one. Uh, this is from Mike Beneke. Says, I know this past Friday, shocking news saddened nearly everyone. I just want our host to know that while I suffer a similar diagnosis as of June and presumably fate, your podcast brightened my work days needed to keep insurance and when I feel well enough to attend Tuesday nights. Thank you for your work. It really does help CBL forever. Uh, uh-huh. Mike, uh-huh. I. Cannot tell you how much we are uh, touched and honored by that. Um, I'm so sorry to hear about what's going on with you. But, um, you know, whatever we can do to hopefully brighten bright day or put a little laughter in it, uh, we hope we can do. And thank yeah. you for taking the time to watch and comment.
0: And comment. Can keep up the fight, man. Yeah. Uh, get out there.
1: Yeah. We're pulling for you, man. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a bunch of comments here, people uh, responding on Crowdcast that are pulling form as well. Uh, Mike, you are awesome. Uh, all right, to take a left turn and go over to Kevin's question. Uh, if the USA Network wanted to create a series in which three comic book podcasters solve mysteries, which actors attainable on a basic cable budget? Would you want to play you? Pinks <laughs> wow. cable actors. Wow. Okay.
0: I guess I would well, say Alex. <laughs>
1: <Come> on, Alex. <laughs> no, they can't afford me, man.
0: Yeah.
1: Big quote. Uh, man, I would uh, who who's like a really janky actor who you get on a basic cable budget? I'd say I'd like Thomas Jane to play me. I think oh.
0: that would be a good no they have to look a little bit like me. <laughs> you can't uh
1: take the big no side. i mean actually i've always thought of somebody who play me on a show would be joey slotnik uh, who's that yeah. uh joey slot he's been on a bunch of shows i'll i don't know i'll try to see if i can find the picture uh
0: one. ben the border collie the one guy from super sort to play justin yes that's a good call the guy was in mad men um and he sort of looks like me my writing partner long-time writing a guy named john Gabris. Who looks oh, yeah. like uh, the other? Um, what's his name? Who ends up? Um, well, I won't spoil it. But um, the, one of the other copywriters in the Mad Men office, and they had a bunch of scenes together, and like, what the fuck? We're on screen. We're not getting anything out of this. <laughs> ben Feldman is his name. That's correct.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Pete? Who would you who would you pick to play a bear? Maybe.
2: Yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. Um, Just shave I- a bear's eyes. <laughs> I was thinking for for what uh, Chris, uh, Chris gethard would be
1: a good you yeah oh, thank you yeah that's, i I appreciate that I think you're wrong, but I appreciate it
2: uh yeah, I don't know um it's it's hard to i, I don't have the kind of like mind to be like, oh, that guy would
1: be perfect for yeah. me there we go oh yeah <laughs> see that's uh what do you have this, you have this with you Yeah, you know, I have a whole folder of pictures of people who look kind of like me. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's weird. I think it'd be that's pretty hilarious. good. Right? Just the used... saying
0: like I
2: don't think about this. You were like, well, I have a whole folder, file full. <laughs> yeah, food, just like we never
0: used this function, and Alex is putting up pictures of pictures <laughs> that look like him. We could be putting comic book pictures, anything, and Alex is like, oh, uh, that seems complicated.
1: My... <laughs> the I, I've actually ran out of room on my hard drive. I only have pictures of Joey Slotnick. <laughs> so uh, there we go. Picture Great.
0: Great use of technology.
1: Yes, absolutely. Oh, uh, we got a, a couple. Wait, hold on. Here, over on YouTube, the tube. <laughs> these are mostly comments about me. Uh, I guess uh, Paul Giabati for me.
0: <laughs> <Good. laughs> uh, Nothing. Nice. Jeff great Lewis. Actor.
1: Jeff Lewis. Jeff
0: Lewis. He's. Oh, who's Jeff Lewis? I was thinking of Richard Lewis.
1: Yeah. I was thinking about the guy from uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's he's Richard he's Lewis. He's that, that's who I was thinking of. That dude is oh, yeah. old.
1: <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, either way, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we do have another question here on YouTube. Uh, this Ooh, is ben Linus keeps.
0: from Lost. That's, that's good for you, Alex. Uh,
1: yes. Thank you. I uh, sat across him at a press event once and it was very weird uh, because I definitely, there was somebody who mistook me for him at one point. And I was Yikes. like, no, I'm not him. I'm sorry. Oh, you know who it was, actually? I just remembered who it was. It was when my wife and I <laughs> went into the hospital to have our first child. And we were there at four in the morning. And the nurse was like, I got to ask, you're that guy I lost, right? And I was <laughs> like, oh my God. No. <laughs> I was like, what God. guy do you mean? You're the hatch guy. <laughs> we have been busy. wondering about you. <laughs> yeah. I will have to go Remember back, brother.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When, she, when she was like, I got to ask you, we're like, yes, Conva Club, that's me. Yes, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're yeah. a big fan. Yeah. Uh, question here from OG. Tom wasn't asked the, wasn't asked the question, uh, Scott, I assume, but do you think uh, Shazam Superboy Prime will be linked to his appearance in Death Metal? Uh, I'd say yes. It seems like they're telling one big Uber story, right?
0: It does sure. feel that way, Yes. And as Scott said, he talks to all those guys all the time. Like, there's yeah. definitely coordination yeah. happening.
1: Uh, this seems like, uh, just on first glance, potentially a trolling question, uh, but from Joe... What are the thoughts on Arrow having created a wonderful, over-the-top world fun that the show itself always tries to avoid being part of? Oh, interesting. Uh, Like outside of crossovers, Ali is almost always miserable and unlikable, and that's the general feeling of the show, whereas others outside of maybe Batman are brighter and happier. It's almost like he doesn't belong in the world he created.
2: Thoughts? Well, that's a very negative take on a fantastic character and... Uh, um, unbelievable show, so... Uh, Here's
0: the thing, Pete. When you open the door to Pete's Arrow Corner, it's not a pretty place.
2: Yeah, yeah. That You guys work so hard to keep that closed, you know? It seems weird that the door is open now, you know?
0: Now that the show's over, yeah. we feel like the Arrow Corner really has a place on Comic Book Club.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that was part of the idea, right? Like, they... I would venture, they did Arrow, they were trying, and they've been very open about this, Mark Guggenheim has talked about this incessantly, he was trying to do Batman Begins on TV. Like, that was the idea there. So they're going for that gritty, realistic, in-your-face tone. But then The Flash... Was specifically trying to be the opposite of that. It was trying to be bright and cheery and fun as a spinoff, so it would differentiate itself. Uh, and I think, uh, now I think the Flash is more successful than Arrow. Like more people watch the Flash. It's a, it's a huge hit. <laughs> first, you can't say that because Arrow came first. Arrow started it.
2: There wouldn't be Flash without fucking Arrow. All right. So I, I, just, said <laughs> I oh, just-, just said that. What? Oh,
1: literally
0: just said that. Pete, is Osteopithecus africanus the best human? Probably not. Like, we evolved Probably. from that guy. And now we're better, now we're more... Are we, though? Yeah.
1: Have you? Arrow, is, arrow is like, arrow is lungfish and the flash is whatever that word was you just said, Justin.
0: Osteopithecus africanus. Osteopithecus oh, africanus!
1: Yes. Oh, Come on, oh, I work God. in a zoo. That's uh, not like a vocal right. warm-up. Osteopithecus africanus. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Ooh, what is happening here? Okay, uh, from Ben Border Collie, I've seen a lot of blowback this week against both articles and individuals speculating about how Marvel might move forward with Black Panther 2. Do you think speculation like this is in poor taste? If so, do you think there's some appropriate collective mourning period before such conversations start?
2: Yes! Uh, I Yes, you've got to let people mourn before you start with this shit,
1: all right? Well, hold on, hold on, Pete. Uh, Don't get angry at this question because I think this is actually a responsible framing of this question. Like, It's not asking, like, who do you think should go in Black Panther 2 or anything. It's asking about the conversation. I'm not angry at the person asking it. I'm just, it
2: was, Friday was a lot, all right? And then the fact that, like, uh, also tr- uh, trending on Twitter was Black Panther Two was just like, come on, this isn't the time. You know what I mean? Like, let us, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I it's think just, there's there's a couple of things here. I think news are like websites that were posting articles about that is offensive and irresponsible and just bad. Like it wasn't. It's bad for them too because no one wants that right now. Um, they, like truly, that Chadwick Boseman's death is was the most. Uh, celebrity death. I've been like, I was just tear. I was working on set, reading tearfully, reading these Twitter posts. It's Just like, I can't believe I'm being affected by this so much. Mm-hmm. But I also think, for uh, from a fan perspective, I think part of it is that like, oh, all your emotions are tied up in all these things. So like, to be like, what what is going to happen to this character that I d- identify with? That this actor that I also love died. So like, I, I don't think we should. People should be punished for worrying about that. On the larger side, like Marvel and Disney, the corporate side, yes, they should wait for like a pretty solid amount of time before they're like, "Hey, here's a new person playing the role, that, the much beloved role."
1: Right. I mean, I think you're you're spot on with that, Justin. I mean, to get like very in the weeds and probably too nichey about it, but my job is to write up this stuff, and like, I was downstairs watching. Ten, three, having a good time. Came upstairs, yeah. was like tweet something fun about like hey, Bill and Twenty Three was good. And I opened up Twitter, and the first thing I saw was uh, Hollywood reacts to the passing of Chadwick Boseman, which like just broke my brain because I thought this has to, what what like it was one step removed from the news, and I couldn't for a minute understand what was going on, but then. Even though it was late at night, my job is to then like go online and write this up as news because it is news. It is breaking entertainment news, and try to process that in some way. And I didn't know what to do. Like I was alone; nobody else is on. We do we don't have like a weekend or a night team or anything like that. So I was trying to figure out in some way how to hit this and think about okay, what are the things that potentially we would write. Certainly, for me, part of the way that I move through things. So, since I, I'm right there with you, Justin, like this is one of the most, if not the most shocking celebrity death in a very long time. Certainly, since Luke Perry, which hit me very hard, and I think all of us very hard as well, just because it happened so quickly and suddenly more than anything else. Uh, but thinking through those things, you think like the things that I ended up doing were. I ended up writing the straight news, because that's what you do. And then I sat there for a moment, tried to process everything, and thought, okay, what are the other things that potentially people would want to know about? Clearly, there were a lot of the Marvel family people reacting to that and, like you said, putting up these heartfelt posts. Um, I didn't feel wonderful about it, but this is the second thing that if I was reading something, I would want to see. So writing around that and putting that together and what do they say about it, while being careful to frame it up as... Chadwick Boseman was more than that. You know, he was Black Panther. He was this icon, but he made these incredible movies as well. 42 is great. Marshall is great. Uh, There are plenty of other things that he did. And so that was the third thing that I ended up writing when I just could not go to sleep at all because this was too much, was trying to put together very simply and try not to be exploitative about it. Is uh, what is a streaming guide? Like people are going to want to watch his things right now. So how can I? Yeah, I, I thought that was really nice. I
0: thought that was great,
1: Alex. That you did that. Thank you. And this is not for me being like pat my own back. I'm more no, talking but- about like I I see and I saw because I follow a lot of entertainment journalists. Like this bubbling on the surface of people being like, don't write that fucking thing that I know you're going to fucking yeah. write. Yeah. And certainly me thinking in my head of like somebody's going to write this, and if I And part of it is like, if I don't write these things and kind of flood the zone, I'm worried that somebody along the line in my organization might ask for this, and we can't write this right now. But to the point you're making, and I know I've talked for a while about this, it's like, that is a natural thought that is going to be asked at some point. Just the question is, when do you ask that? And the answer is, not night of, probably not the next day. And certainly in my case, I would wait until some news came out about it or somebody made a statement about it like Kevin Feige or Marvel or Bob Iger because otherwise you're just doing raw speculation and that feels kind of gross
0: Yeah, but I I do want to say, I meant to say this to you earlier, like, I thought that post that you put up was so, such a great, useful piece of information to have, like, oh, here's where you can watch the movies, not just Black Panther, which you've probably seen a lot of times, but just like, here are the other movies that you maybe haven't seen where you can really get new eyes on this actor that now we won't ever see do anything again.
2: Yeah, the first thing I did was type in Chadwick Boseman on Netflix and Prime to be like, I need, you know, this is how I got to help create
1: That's that's how we cope, right? Like people cope in different ways with different things. And certainly when it's a celebrity that you don't know personally, you only know through the screen. You have probably never met them, even on a carpet or anything like that. The way that you relate to them is through their movies, through their TV shows. So that's the way that you want to remember them is by going back and watching those things. Um, So hopefully that was a very long way, but hopefully that uh, (laughs) answered your question uh some way let's go over to some other questions here uh let's see oh this is from Nick Kelly have you three ever tried to write something together if not what would you like to uh
0: no i mean i guess we we sort of wrote up a pitch for our, this as a tv show but years yeah. and years ago um and we did that together but we, we haven't actually...
2: tried to do like a comic
0: or something right about um, us yeah but TV. we didn't actually oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't actually That didn't work out. It didn't happen, it didn't. yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't. I'd mean, what could we what could we do together? Let's do it. I don't, know. I, don't know. I mean
2: yeah, we should write something and then you could line
0: produce it and we'd be set. That's definitely not how it works. Yeah, like my <laughs> three dads. It's like my two dads, but there's another dad. Mm-hmm. Three men in a little comic book. <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't know. We could do a sitcom. We could do, do something like that. I think we can figure it out. Are you writing uh, it right now, Alex? Are you
0: starting?
4: Yeah. Right yeah.
1: <laughs> open on three guys in boxes.
0: <laughs> I don't think the question was. We, we don't need to do it right now, yeah. but we can. We should. We'll just open the document.
1: I like take that. Y'all, the three Punishers. Oh, uh, CT Cook says maybe a comic book club porn parody. That's a good idea. We'll start with that one. Nope. Pete'll love it. We're very close. Uh, oh, we, from, as we
0: have on our, our Patreon, we have the um, tickle video um, pledge. Five
1: thousand bucks. Somebody's got to do it. No yeah. way. Pete said he'd do it. No. Uh, Pete, I wonder Woman said. No. It, no, he didn't. I wonder if there's three Jokers, will there be three Batmans to punch the Jokers? It will lead to two faces, four penguins, five riddlers, six Ivies, seven scarecrows, eight clay faces, nine cacklemens, and a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, I think the answer is yes. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. We the only thing we can do is add more.
1: Yes, exactly. I want to read the uh, book
0: Zero Jokers.
1: Ooh. <laughs> um, this is from Edward Doherty. The last trade of Saga was released on September nineteenth, two thousand eighteen. I have two questions relating to this. A. Wasn't the period between issues meant to be only one year? B. Without looking it up, oh boy, this is a tough one. No. Without looking it up, could you remember what happened at the end of the last arc and how will this pause change? Story, especially considering BKV's experience with parenting, must be reframed as his kids grow up. Ooh. Oh boy! Uh, I mean, the I, last thing I remember is like they were heading towards a sun or a planet or something like that. But maybe they're past that. That checks out. They
0: were in space. No, I, if I remember, I mean, I don't want to spoil too hard, but um, yeah, there was a a character oh, died, man. I believe, at the very last, uh, and I won't say who, but it was a problem. It was fucked up. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Well, what do you think about the pause? Is it ever going to come back at this point? It's got to. It's,
0: it's going to come back, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, it's a hard time. I mean, bro, I don't know what Brian K. has been working on, but it's a hard time to be creative for a lot of people. So I think there's that's only going to extend the gap.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hope it comes back soon. Uh, I would love to read it. Uh, this is from Shrusti. I don't know if you addressed this in the past, but Marisol Nichols, Hermione Lodge, has been fighting sex trafficking in her free time, which is being turned into a show. Uh, this is wild. This was There's actually a huge article about this over the summer. Uh, she, in her spare time, has been working with the police to capture sex traffickers. Uh, specifically, sometimes she will pretend she will act as uh, somebody who is uh, soliciting them. Sometimes she will act as a little girl. She'll put on different voices, and they'll entrap sex traffickers and... um uh, other folks of that like, uh, and now that is being made into a TV show, which Marisol Nichols is going to produce and eventually, star in, uh, which is sounds like a plot line out of Riverdale.
0: <laughs> Not exactly, it's crazy that that's real. Maybe Riverdale is leaking into the real world.
1: Oh, that makes yeah. sense. I mean, we've had had quarantine on the show. We've had quarantine here. Uh, Pete's dating a guy named Jughead. So, like, that's there's true. lots of stuff there. <laughs>
0: that's true <laughs> uh
1: that is a wild story and definitely uh pete is
0: the betty of comic book club
1: he's all day every day oh you uh, Ed- yeah you gotta be fast on this show pete eduardo says following up on undiscovered country do you think there's room i don't know if there's a question for scott or for us uh probably scott uh following up undiscovered country. do you think there's room for more writing partnerships future series or are financials too tough for this to be a trend uh, do you guys have any opinions about that? Um, I, I, mean,
0: it's, I think it's less about money and more like, like Scott said, like he likes writing with friends, especially something. Mm-hmm. Cause I know when they were developing that book, um, cause I think they talked to us about it on the cruise ship. If I want to Yeah, they did. Yes. I mean, they were te- teasing it pretty hard, but it hadn't come out yet. Um, And I think at the bar afterwards, and maybe they told us more about it uh, (laughs) when we were watching that wild cover band, and (laughs) not and paying for every drink because Pete and I didn't get the unlimited bar. Get
2: the unlimited.
1: Get the unlimited bar
2: whenever you go on a cruise. Trust me, get the unlimited
1: wristband. Related, never go out a cruise (laughs) anywhere. Yeah, don't. That's
0: a fair. Also, definitely (laughs) drink as much as you possibly can and sleep in the same bed with another man who is farting a lot. <laughs> hey, you're the
1: guy who farts. Yeah, you're <laughs> you're just worrying about himself. You're the farter.
0: You're the um, fucking you're. Uh, But no, it's like Scott's like getting back around a much more serious uh attack. Uh as Scott said like it's about like um bouncing ideas off of each other, jamming on uh on a premise together and generating this book as a team. I don't think it's who uh <laughs> who it's about uh, the money
1: we got a question here for First Hand Up Guy. Could one oh, of you possibly, Justin, please quickly explain the plot of Death Metal? I was a little lost during the Scott Snyder interview. Oof. That's Classic a hard one. Classic pimp from First Hand Up Guy.
0: First Hand Up Guy. Um, I, this one's hard because I don't know if it's... none of, It hasn't been revealed enough.
1: Uh, right. I mean, I, I can... It's so, uh, probably not in a fun way like you would, Justin. But uh, the, the short version is that the working with Perpetua, who is the mother of the multiverse, the Batman who laughs, has transformed all of Earth, which is the linchpin of the multiverse, uh, into his own dark design. So continents now look like big bats. Everybody's all well, he's evil Batman from the dark multiverse, which is all failed stories into the regular DC multiverse. And all of this is, while Perpetua is off, destroying all of the other multiverses in order to... Pro- I, yes, Eduardo says, sorry, Alex, it's more full of just, just the recaps. Yes, it is. I know. I'm in the middle of it. I'm sorry. Uh, I
0: know. Notes, Alex, if you could just speak really quickly, uh, I would...
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. the prevent- he did start it by saying, I'm not going to do this as
0: We can speed this up in post.
1: Yes, absolutely. We 100% will. Uh, So, uh, Perpetua, thanks for a stand-up guy. I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you. Uh, So, uh, Perpetua is off destroying the multiverse while Batman who laughs has transformed the regular Earth. Uh, Everybody is a dark mirror of themselves. Wonder Woman is trying to fight back against it. She has gathered everybody and they have decided that they need to set off, I believe, an anti-crisis to fight the crisis energy that is pervading the universe in order to reboot the whole universe that had a dark multiverse. Spoiler, as we know from solicitations, they're going to lose Batman Who Laughs, who is now the Darkest Knight because he's ingested uh, Dr. Manhattan's energy. And by Dr. Manhattan, I actually Dr. Bad Hatton, who is an alternate universe version of Bruce Wayne, who used the Dr. Manhattan process to transform himself. He has taken his brain, put it in that body, transformed to the Darkest Knight. He's going <laughs> to the multiverse, turn it into his own dark mirror multiverse, and somehow they're going to try to get out of this by the end and reboot everything. Everything and save the multiverse and also uh, propel us into the next event. There you go. Woo!
0: That's great. Job, dude. Yeah, you yeah, really good. turned it around at the end there.
1: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how you it's do stress- that,
0: man. It's stressful, yeah. We yeah. should do a, a dueling banjos uh, kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, there you go.
1: Uh, we would go very long, so I think that's it for your audience questions. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now... It's time for our next section, which is trivia. For that, we're going to turn it over to Pete and the Page. Pete and
0: the Page, the star of trivia.
1: Uh, and for trivia... Give- yeah,
0: there we go. Yeah, this
2: is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win a online gift card to Midtown Comics. Uh, we just need someone to uh, hand up. Put a hand up. Pablo, oh, D, well, there you team, go. Has-
1: Okay, coming into the stream. Just invite him in. Uh, I'll see, uh, hold on. There we go. I think I'm inviting him in now. There he is. Hello. Hello.
2: All right. So, uh, for today's trivia, it's on topical comic news. I'm going to read you a question. Listen to all three possible answers. All right, here
1: we go. Question number one. The new. Uh, actually, we should mention something, right, Pete? Is that uh, this episode only, he is uh, going up against Joey Slotnick.
3: <laughs> no,
0: okay. okay, Joey, thanks for coming hey, on the show. Oh, sorry. Which uh, which box is Alex and which is Joey? I can't tell yeah. who Yes, they yes. To. They look alike. It's hard to locate. They each look at. He took a leg. One
1: of them needs a mustache. They're both yeah. frozen. Right, uh, so, a fun thing is that, yeah, I think this is slowing down my computer a lot. Yeah. 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 Let's, uh, yeah. Thank what do you, you. guys a mustache. All right, here we go.
2: Question number one. The new Shang-Chi series drops on September 30th. The limited series will be debuting whom? Is it A, the Five Weapons Society, B, the Five Guys Shakes and Fries, or is wow. it C, Candace Bergen. So Whoa. it's either A or you're not right at all.
0: Um it's it's got to be A. A is correct. The wow. Five Weapons Society
2: should be an interesting
0: arc I'm looking forward to it. That B answer was easy to tell was not yes. a, the right answer.
2: <laughs> well, well, you know, some people complain that this is very hard this trivia so
0: I'm not accurate. Not accurate.
2: Okay. Not accurate. <laughs> Question number 2. Who is the Google Doodle today? Hint, she is known as the first African-American woman cartoonist. Is it A, Jackie Orms, B, Jackie Robinson, RIP Chadwick Boseman, or is it C, Clark Duke? So it's either A, or you could pick B or C. Oh, it's A. A is correct. Here we go. Last one. What is the title of Alex DeCampi's new book from Image dropping October 7th? Is it A, Hard Eyes, motherfucker, B, Dracula, motherfucker, or C, Joel McHale? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B, Dracula, motherfucker.
3: I need that 25, but it's, it's got to be B.
1: It is correct, Dracula, motherfucker. Ooh.
0: Great
1: work,
2: right. 25
1: is yours. Amazing, Pablo. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublivegmail.com. We'll get you set up with a 25 dollars gift card to Midtown comics so you don't have to go into the store. You can just relax at home and get stuff. That just was good just mail it you to you. and they'll just see you, Pablo. See, Pablo. see you, Pablo. All right, there we go. Uh, guys, uh, first of all, I want to right. mention I mentioned this in the comic, right. we'll right. go to Yes, Wait, Pete. Oh, right. There's a secret. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, and it was correct. Edward Doherty is correct. It's a
1: merry frigging Christmas. Oh. Nice. 14% on Rotten Tomatoes is what he said. Uh, nice. Secret Robert Williams movie, uh, of course, check out Robin's Wish, now available on VOD. Uh, <laughs> 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 is it available now, now? Is this Robin's It is available wish? now.
0: Oh, Is I'm this gonna Robin's out? Wish?
1: Yeah, people are... Uh, it's apparently really sad. <laughs> I so, bet it is. There you go. Um, but uh, check that out. Um, folks, uh, actually, sorry, I was in the middle of uh, saying uh, that next week we're going to go to the Tube for audience questions. They've been requesting it, so we'll go over to you guys next time. Go to the, tube. Go to go the go tube. tube. Next week. Uh, in the meantime, as we all know, tomorrow is a new comic book. Day. We recommend go wherever is safe. All right, nice. Right. Stay wow. safe. Uh, but what are you guys looking forward to, Pete? What are you looking forward to that's coming out tomorrow? Well, there's or a lot today in the case of DC Comics.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. Um, I'm uh, the Ice Cream Man graphic novel. The collection is going to be out. I'm very excited about that. That should be a scary, fun thing to own. Um, but Bitterroot number ten, uh, and also Usagi Ojimbo number twelve.
0: Mm. Uh, nice. A lot of stuff there. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, and I feel like a real Pete for saying this, but uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the Ashes, number one. Uh, Mm. Very, uh, the art in this book looks very good. Um, It feels very fun.
1: Gonna have to pick it up. Awesome. Uh, like you said, lots of good stuff coming out tomorrow, so it's difficult to choose one thing. Uh, but I'm going to call out Spy Island, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, mm, uh, which also looks super interesting and fun. Uh, that's from uh, Chelsea Kane, who's great. Uh, I enjoy reading and writing a lot. Uh, so excited to check that out. And we're going to have those reviews and many more on our Stack Podcast, which comes out Wednesdays at 9 a.m., both the Comic Book Club feed and in its own dedicated Stack feed. And folks, I think that is it for our show this week. As we wrap up here, I want to thank our amazing guests for coming on. Thank you, Brian Bynes. Uh, definitely check out Backtrack from Oni Press yeah. in Issue 5. And as mentioned, The Trade is coming out soon. Super fun book. You're all going to enjoy it. Also, Scott Snyder for talking about so many things. But check out Nocterra which is on Kickstarter right now. Uh, It is making so much money, but everything, as he mentioned, is going to go not to him, but to the artists and to the next book. So definitely go and support that. And there's some awesome, awesome rewards. Next week on our show, we're going to have two more great guests. We're going to have Shannon Wheeler is going to be here to talk about the Mueller Report, the graphic novel. So that should be fun. And also, David Peepos is going to be here to talk about the OZ, which is a new, uh, cool post apocalyptic take on Wizard of Oz. So that should be fun. Also, on our end, we got Let's Hear It for the Boys. Our Boys podcast is coming up, season two. New episodes of the podcast drop and yeah. started on Friday. Umbrella Pod Academy, our Umbrella Academy podcast, drops on Thursday. Also, check out our podcast with Kieran Gillen. We had a great long talk oh with him about Marvel's Eternals, about Once in Future, a bunch of others things, that's in the Comic Book Club feed. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. At Comic Book Live for this podcast and many more. Comic Book Club, excuse me, at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Comic Book Club Live for this podcast and many more. I've figured it out, folks.
0: You know, we used to do that. We could help you out there, bro.
1: Nah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm small cage
0: at the zoo.
3: I'll be there all night.